This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the renaissance of men. You are the renaissance. Getting that grounding on before my next clients, boy. One thing I love about setting out these goals, especially posting them publicly, is I've doubled down on making sure I get my shit done. I don't give myself excuses. I don't give anybody else excuses. I've been making shit happen. I've been squeezing it in. I've been moving things. I've been prioritizing. I've been doing whatever I can to make sure I get this shit done. But if there's one thing I can say, I've been very fortunate in a sense that I've always been able to accomplish the things that I've wanted to do if I put my mind, my energy, and my focus towards those things. I really thank my parents for propping up this, you know, individual responsibility, work ethic that is involved that, you know, directly related with being able to accomplish these things. But I've worked two jobs, I've done multiple sports, I've had so many excuses throughout my life to not do this, to not do that thing, to be busy, to need time off, to, to take an hour here, to take a nap there. You know, the, all these things have come up, but I've, whenever I put my mind to it, I've been able to accomplish the things I want to and get the things I want to out of each and every day. So I firmly believe that you are capable of doing it. It just takes you focusing on what needs to be done, making a list, checking it twice, whatever you gotta do to ensure that you get it done. Be realistic. Don't try and create something that you know is out of your control, but it's possible. So, and if that means, if you have other things in your life that are in the way, working too much, you know, family, taking on too much family responsibility, whatever, whatever is going on, you have to understand that you have either allowed someone to make those choices for you or you have made those choices yourself and now you are the one that has to deal with those consequences. So although it may feel like it's impossible to create more time or do other things and your schedule might on paper look like it's impossible, you have the ability, you have the control to change your life every single day. Sometimes that means getting a new job, which can be the hardest thing in the world. Sometimes that means getting a new relationship, a new friendship. These are all real things and these are all realities that we all face. I luckily have been able to set up my life in many different ways to not have to do anything too dramatic. So yes, it has been easier for me in a sense, but I decided a long time ago that I was going to dictate and control my life and it is possible for you to do the exact same thing. Hello, my name is Will Spencer and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast. It can be easy watching popular videos, reading best-selling books, and listening to billion download podcasts in the world of masculine personal development and focusing only on the men who we judge have quote, made it. 
But realistically, in a movement of millions of men around the world, only a small percentage actually have. In fact, far more are on the ground today, so to speak, figuring it out day by day and working hard to build these principles into their lives so they can be leaders of men. A couple months ago, I was scrolling through the Instagram profile of Rob, the grounded athlete, and I noticed a comment from a guy named Derek. Not long after, I released my podcast with Rob, and Derek commented on one of my posts. So I got curious and clicked through. What I found was just such a man, a guy asking all the right questions and coming up with what I thought were awesome answers. Somewhere along the line, we discovered that we live in the same city, so I joined him and some of his friends on a hike. Derek and I talked and talked. I knew he was a personal trainer, so I asked him some questions. He had more awesome answers. And the more of his story he told me, the more I wanted to help him tell his story. Derek is a former professional bodybuilder, a man who loves the body, loves movement, and loves helping people transform. His own life journey has led him into the renaissance of men, and as physical fitness is the foundation for a healthy life in all its aspects, I felt it might be important to get the perspective of a guy who's achieved a body that most men only dream about. Turns out, like most things, it might not be all it's cracked up to be. In our three-hour conversation, we talked about the world of bodybuilding, how Derek got into it, what he got from it, and how he got out of it. We also talked about the world of personal training and the effort required to create transformation in people, Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Derek's love for competition, his family background and how it helps set him up for a life of success, what it means to LARP or live-action role-play your personal development, to borrow a phrase from Tanner Guzzi, how fitness ties into spirituality, and finally, the meaning behind the hashtag post-physique and why it works in communities of men today and where it falls short. As you've probably noticed, I love talking about the subjects I cover on my podcast, and Derek does too. So what you'll hear today is just a small segment of an ongoing conversation that we'll probably pick back up tomorrow. Thanks to Rob, the Grounded Athlete, for helping bring us together, and I sincerely hope you enjoy this episode, or at least that it's better than dragging your dick across glass. I'd like to welcome this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, Derek Arellano. Hey, Derek, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Happy to be here. Glad to be on finally. You know, it's funny. You and I have had the chance to meet a couple times, a few times actually. And I got a good sense of you hanging out, obviously, and we got a good sense through our conversations online. But then I started looking through your Instagram, digging back into, into your history and on all the different phases of life that you've been through, all the different levels of fitness, all the different hairstyles, all the different careers and life phases. And you've been on a pretty epic journey, as it turns out, which makes sense because that's why we have such good conversations. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I like how you phrase this epic journey because it, it feels like that, especially uh, these last couple of years. It's really as it's come to a head. It's definitely been pretty pretty epic. What does that mean coming to a head? Yeah, you know, I just feel like I'm finally in a place where, you know, I don't want to say I have control, you know, but I feel like I have control. I, I finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm able to, I guess, be myself is the best way to describe it. You know, I think when we're growing up, we constantly are trying to question who are we and what are we going to do when we get old enough? Because it's always in front of us when we're younger, it seems like even we don't realize that it's always, always right now, but it always seems like it's in front of us. What am I going to do? What am I going to be? How am I going to be perceived? How are people perceiving me now? You know? And so as it's for me, it's come to a head most recently because 
ultimately because of the responsibilities that I've taken on, really. Mm -hmm. And which ones are those? In the past two years, I've got a stepson. Mm -hmm. uh, I've got a long-term girlfriend live, living in uh, at home now with me. Three dogs. Just released my own brand. I've stepped away from corporate America, as they call it, and made a life for myself. And so in doing all those things, especially within the last, yeah, like two years, you know, making those decisions and, and really settling into those decisions, it's been a huge turning point for me as a man, really being able to say like, oh, I'm a man now, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that's, that's funny because I, I picked up on that when you and I first connected online, because I did the podcast with the grounded athlete with Rob. And yeah. uh, I guess you guys know each other, at least on Instagram. And so I, I found you and then you shared some content from my podcast and we just started talking. And as I started looking through your content, I had this feeling that things were starting to come together for you in this really interesting way where you're starting to sort of ask questions about manhood and masculinity and your place in the world. And that came across uh, in some of your posts. And so now that makes a lot more sense that that's actually what's going on. It's not something that you're, you're just idly speculating about. It's something that you're living. Definitely. And I'm glad you said that because it is what I'm living in. Something I was actually thinking about over the past couple of days in regards to us meeting and talking today and listening to the other podcasts of the other gentlemen that you've had on. I think when you get on a podcast or when you're on Instagram and you're doing these things, you find these people in this, the term manosphere is being thrown around most, most frequently on your podcast. Or the renaissance of men. <laughs> the renaissance of men. Yes. So when, you know, this renaissance, you see a lot of these people who are who they are and you are like, man, I want to, I want to be like that. I can't wait to be like that one day. And you don't really see a lot of people in the work of that. And mm -hmm. I feel like I'm the guy that's like in the middle of that, where I've kind of left some things behind, but I still have so much more work to do. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm, absolutely. So for me, it, I'm living that experience. I'm living the, I'm going to be this one day. I'm not that anymore, but I'm neither, you know, I'm right in the middle. I'm in the, you know, the Renaissance of men purgatory right now. <laughs> I'm right in the middle, you know? So it's just very interesting. It's a very interesting place because people always try and convince you that they're exactly who they are and they found it and they figured it out, you know, but I don't think, you know, any of us really quite figure it out. I mean, I don't, I guess in a sense, you really shouldn't ever figure it out, right? If mm -hmm. you're challenging yourself, you know, appropriately. Mm -hmm. I agree. Because he's coming to mind, I'll just, I'll take an example from Rob because he and I have had a few conversations after our podcast. And I think a sure. lot of the men that I've had on would agree. I think that feeling of I've arrived that we perceive in others we look at someone like Rob or like the Howling Void or like Zach Small or Tanner Guzzi or something like that, or any of the guys that have been on so far, we would look at them and say, that guy's made it. But I think if we were to ask them, they would say like, no, I'm, in, I'm just as in process too. Like I'm looking over there, you know? So I think there's this feeling that we have between men where it's like, we look at men who are successful and accomplished in the ways that we aspire. And we judge them as feeling like they're like, they feel like they're on top of the mountain. But in fact, like they're just looking at some other guy and they're like, I'm going that <laughs> yes. way. You know? Yes. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's, it's definitely true. We, we all have that talking about it more recently. We all have that, um, the, oh, the imposter syndrome, oh, you yeah. know, we, we, in that pursuit of more, we always feel like we're never going to be enough. Right. Sometimes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So 
but yeah, you definitely look at some of these guys, especially the way they, they present themselves and how well-spoken they are, how well-written in the case of someone like the Howling Boyd. You're just like, man, that guy's got his shit together. You know what I mean? And you don't know, but it <laughs> yeah. sounds so, you know, it's, they, they invoke this emotion inside of you. And I, I mean, I think that's what's so great about certain people in this space is that they almost pull those emotions up. It's up to you ultimately to decide what you're going to do with those, you know, cause the work is always, is always on your, you know, on you, but you know, they pull these emotions out of you and you go, I want something along those lines. I don't know what that is. You know, I think everyone has to ask those questions themselves, you know, being able to have those people as resources allows you to pull those emotions up, but it's true. You know, you talk to anybody, any of the people that I've been able to connect with and admire and stuff, whether it be in the training space or, you know, now even today when I was at jujitsu learning from um, some guys, you realize how much there's just this continuing of education, no matter what space you consume. And I think it's unfortunate because a lot of people, you know, in this same space that we're kind of occupying in this renaissance of men, you have people that instead of diving in necessarily themselves, they're more outspoken about it. So there's people who are playing the renaissance of Mm. men instead of contributing and and trying to really, you know, have a renaissance for themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's the biggest thing I see. And I, I, I'm, you know, the few guys that you've had to come on I and mean, they talk about the, the manosphere. And I think what's funny about how each person has made a, almost, I think almost every single person you've had on has made a comment about that. And I think it's great, especially for someone like me, because I look at something that's called the manosphere and I look at that and I go, I don't think I like that. <laughs> but when you talk about it and the, when the people that you've had on and how you talk about it and how you kind of curate the space, it's better aligned with how I feel. And I'm not sure what the dividing line is. I was actually thinking about it this morning when I was hiking. And I think the dividing line is productivity, the production. You mm-hmm. know, it's not just consuming mm. everything that comes from the space. It's living in the space, being the space itself. Mm-hmm. And letting the space change you. Like I think I think of the manosphere. I was talking to Sean okay. Smith last week and we were talking about the, the manosphere and how the manosphere, it's like a place. And I think where it goes wrong conceptually is that it has begun to take on this idea of a clubhouse. Like, oh, hey, we're yeah. the guys and we all get together in the manosphere, which is not too too different from a man cave. And we kind of have our club and our rules. And, you know, the guys who show up in the man cave and the manosphere can do what Tanner Guzzi calls LARPing personal development. Like you read all the books yes. and you follow all the right yes. accounts and all that stuff, but you don't actually make any progress in your life. Uh, and and that's it. That's its own thing. And, and there's a there's a space for that because a lot of creativity and a lot of friendships and relationships can come out of that. On the other hand, I look at the Renaissance as being, this is a process that we're engaged in. The Renaissance of men has been going on for 40 years since the early 80s. And it's something that I've lived and it's something that you've lived and it's something that all the men that I've had on and, and the men that I hope, to, I hope to reach, that they're living. And that's what makes it different. It's not just a place that we show up and be together. We do have that. But it's a thing that we're doing together and a thing that we're creating together and that has momentum instead of just this fixed place in time. And I think maybe that's possibly... That could also be one of the differences. Yeah, I, oh, 100%. You said it perfectly. I love I love the LARPing uh, <laughs> connection because it, it's so true. And it's one of the things that bothers me so much about 
how people conduct themselves nowadays, it's, it's, it's all for show. And how would it not be where everything, most of our interactions are a couple degrees of separation. You know, there's no, there's rarely the times where you're sitting across from somebody and having those deep, honest connections. It's Mm -hmm. always, how can I appear like I'm in this space? You know, one thing I, I always say this to people And it's funny because you can see it kind of click in their head. But I always wonder, where did posers go? Remember like back when we were younger and like if you wore the skateboard shoes, but you didn't skateboard, people would point at you and be like, yo, you're a poser. (laughs) You know, like you're but like, what are you doing? You don't skateboard. You know, we don't have that kind of calling out anymore. It's almost rude. Like, oh, we'll let that person be who they want to be. And it's like, well, no one asks the questions. Well, what if that person sucks? What if they could be better? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of harsh and it's blunt and you know, it's in your face, but that's how life is. We try and coddle everything. Everything's coddled now from, you know, no matter what you do, you have to walk on eggshells around every single conversation you have because you have to consider this person's feelings and what they've been through and you don't know. And, and although a lot of that stuff is valid, you're not having to walk around, you know, being an asshole, but you know, we, we don't call each other out on our BS anymore, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's a huge thing, especially in the, in, you know, the, the renaissance of men, that's a, vital, mm-hmm. you know, your community is vital to how you act. If you don't have those, you know, adjustments within self or adjustments within the people around you, then you kind of walk around looking kind of like a jackass. Like I, you know, I attribute to like Pinocchio, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they all turn into donkeys because they're, just running around acting like jackasses, mm-hmm. you know, and it's without that accountability. My girlfriend has the best quote. Um, I love it. Accountability is love. And wow. So if we're not holding each other accountable, then do you really love the the people in your life or the space that you op- occupy? Accountability is a real thing. I was just talking to some guys about this last night. Accountability is so important. And, and about helping people improve, I, I've started thinking about things it's not about people helping people improve because there's men speaking to men, there's men speaking to women, there's women speaking to women, and then there's women speaking to men. If we want to help each other improve, men have to speak to men, men have to speak to men, and women have to speak to women. A man telling a woman how she should improve, that may not necessarily be received right, depending on the nature of the relationship. There are ways to have those conversations and vice versa, women speaking to men. But when it comes to me speaking to men, I've sort of exhausted my patience of being careful about men's feelings. It's like, if I'm going to tell you there is something so much more in you that you don't see, like the poser, for example, you're wearing the outfit of the thing that you want to be. There is something in you that feels a call to that and you're afraid. You could be amazing at it if you just step past that fear. And that can be a very confronting thing for someone to hear. I don't care. I don't care about that man's feelings anymore. I won't be a dick about it. I was like, hey, asshole, yeah. you suck. You know, it'll be like that. <laughs> yeah. But to confront him with a, a serious and sincere, and in some ways, loving is probably too strong of a word for a stranger, but a caring intention. Like, no, there's something more in you that wants expression. And this may hurt your feelings to hear. I don't care about your feelings because your feelings are in your way in this, in this instance. And I think that's what, that's the point that I've kind of gotten to for the same reason. It's like, you know, I'm done worrying about men's feelings. It's like, you got to worry about your feelings. I got to worry about you being better. And I want you to worry about you being better as well. Yeah. For your sake. Right. Yeah. That's ultimately what they, it's the hardest thing to get people to understand. I attribute 
the renaissance of men to an awakening. It's the same thing as psychedelics. You know, it's mm-hmm. this this understanding of or this awareness of I and the space I occupy. Mm-hmm. And if you're not able to understand that and someone's trying to help you, you know, we can't, you can't ever teach somebody that they have to realize it themselves. It's the unfortunate part of having awareness is you can't make somebody aware. They just either are, or they aren't. Um, But when you are trying to help those close to you, you kind of get, you, you get alienated because you're, you're the guy, you're the, you're the no, Oh, you know, you know, it all. You're just, you have all the answers. It's like, well, no, I don't. But I, you know, unfortunately I see somewhere where you're kind of, misstepping Mm -hmm. and I'm trying to, you know, I've made that misstep. You know, that's the problem is it's, it's not me telling you what to do. It's me telling myself what I've done and then realizing that I'm seeing it in you and trying to help you now, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's that criticism, that emotional, you know, maturity to be able to accept constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. And we don't have, we're, we're losing that. If not, a lot of us have lost it. You know, there's some people I'm sure that you've had in your life where you're no longer, you just know, I'm not going to give myself in that way to people because they're not going to receive it properly. And it's very unfortunate. You know, it's kind of a litmus test almost is the, uh, is can you handle constructive criticism? If not, okay, Mm that's going to be kind of hard to interact with each other, you know, because I want it too. So if you can't take it, likely not going to be able to give it at least not in a constructive way. Right. You said it really well. It is the litmus test. And that's the thing is, I think men have traditionally always kind of tested each other. We don't have the opportunity to to fight. And it's generally considered not considered polite for men to kind of square up and like size each other up. and like, yeah, I could kick his ass. Like that's not kind of the world we live in right now. In some ways, maybe yeah. we go to the jujitsu gym or the boxing gym. It's different. But I think at least in the circles that I'm in, the way that men kind of size each other up is their willingness to take that constructive criticism, their willingness to take a, a, a very specific but kind of pointed observation like, hey, this is the way you're showing up in this moment. And how the man responds to that says, will I be able to have a relationship with that man or not? Will he get defensive if I do it right? Will he get defensive? Will he shut down? Will he make some sort of sarcastic remark or whatever? It's like, okay, well, I can see that you're not truly committed. You've shown up in this way. You're not committed to your growth. We're probably not going to connect. doesn't mean you're a bad person, but we're probably not going to connect. And I've seen that with so many, particularly over this past year with men that I had once considered myself very close to. This has been a real sink or swim year for a lot of men. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud to say that I, I swam. I'm very happy with uh, how I did that. But there have been men I've known in my life for years that have been sinking. And it's like, I can't help. I, I can show you the way, but I can't help you. And it's like, I'm very sorry to, you know, to let those relationships fade when I hoped I wouldn't have to. The uh, proverbial crabs in a bucket, you know, mm-hmm. you, you try and help and you get pulled right back in. And that's the unfortunate part is you then expend all of your energy trying to help people. And so, and then you lose that to be able to help yourself. It's the pouring of too much into somebody else's cup and then you have nothing left. And it's, it's tough. It, it, it's been tough for you know, my girlfriend and I big time um, over the past two years is we've lost a lot of connections, you know, that we've had to people because it, it is one of those sink or swim. And if you're swimming, you don't have time to, mm-hmm. to, you know, nurture people along. Unfortunately, we try, you, you know, you, you want to, it's not of not wanting, but those people have to want 
to even more, not the same amount, more, because they're, you know, in a sense, further behind, you know, or lacking some kind of connection that isn't the aha moment for mm-hmm. them to see that there's more, you know, because, I mean, unfortunately, it's, it's easy to, I mean, what, what's, what's on the other side of that stuff? Distractions, materialism, feel good books and TV shows and movies, and ultimately just distractions, right? Distractions are easy because mm-hmm. it takes you away from whatever's at hand. It's hard to pull people out of that stuff, man. Mm-hmm. You know, half of the, you know, that's part of my job is pulling people away from distractions. That's stopping them from achieving their goals. It's all consuming. Mm-hmm. It's all consuming. You read my mind. Cause that was the next question I was going to ask you. Like you're a personal trainer. So you see this firsthand. You've got early morning classes I see on Instagram where you've got group classes and then you have clients throughout the day and you have some clients that have made some pretty remarkable transformations. And I imagine you have some clients that haven't or have made, have climbed halfway up the mountain and then fallen all the way down. Like you see this every day professionally. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough because you really want, (laughs) I think the (laughs) battle, the battle is, is you get into this profession. Well, nowadays there's multiple reasons to get into the profession. Most of it is because it appears to be easy, but it's far from, it's far from people learn that very quickly, but you get, you're all, especially for me, I'm all bright eyed and bushy tailed, get my, my clients coming in, you know, for a consultation and they're telling me what they want. And I'm over here like, you can have this and you can have that. We're going to do this. And we're gonna do that. And then they're going to be, um, that's my deaf old man over mm. there. He, here's any vibration. There's a bark coming. Um, but they're excited. They're telling you what they want. You're telling them how they can get it. And the energy's great. And then you kind of go into it and you get started and you see that start to, you know, disappear. They, they skip a week or, you know, they miss a few sessions and you can tell they're not really following their plan or they're not going to the gym or they're not following their meal plan or, you know, macros or however it's set up for that particular individual. And you're like, well, what happened? Yeah. I, we, we sat down and we talked about it. You were excited, you know, but it's just, it's ultimately up to that, that person. And that's my my new branding volition. That Mm. is what that is. That's why it's that name. It's, it's the will, the cognitive process of making a decision and following through with it. And again, uh, you know, I'll probably be mentioning her a couple more times with my girlfriend who's been a light in my life, you know, stumble upon that word. And, and it's meaningful in so many different ways. It's, it's how I conduct myself as a person, and, you know, as a trainer, and how I want my business to be conducted. And if there's any, you know, people I work with in the future, that's how I want them to conduct themselves. And so it's all encompassing. And you have to have that will to want to change. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then it's just motivation is fleeting. People think mm-hmm. that, you know, you hear a good quote and you watch a cool movie or, you know what I mean? Read a, read a, the, the endless amount of self-help books. I, I'm so tired of people sharing their self-help books, especially when you see them caught in this hamster wheel of, you know, they don't progress at all. And all that is fleeting. I've, I've been that guy. I've read all the self-help books, looking for all the answers. And surprise, there ain't no answer. The, the, the summarization of every one of those self-help books, and don't get me wrong, there's some good little mm-hmm. bits and pieces in some of those and 
some sometimes some things click, but at the end, it, it, every last sentence should be said. But if you don't do the work, you're not getting shit out of it. That's right. You know what I mean? Like because it doesn't matter. All you could read all the like you said. You can join the space. You can read all the things. Follow all the people. But if you're not applying these things, then you will not get them. And and you know, like I said, you get you get bright eyed and bushy tailed and you get these people in and you're excited for them. And sometimes you're even more excited for them and then maybe they are. And, and, but if they don't, they don't want to do the work, man, there's nothing you can do about it. That's the hardest part about being a trainer is trying to like shake people. You're like, just wake up. You can do it. It's right here. It's right in front of you the whole time. And you know, if they don't, if, if they don't do it, then they don't do it. It's unfortunate. The hard part is that they, they then they're like, well, it's not working out. Like I want to do something different. And it's just like, well, <laughs> you haven't done the, the first thing I asked you to do, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, Oh, well that trainer is not that good. It didn't work. And it's just like, ah, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you know? yeah. And it's like, you know, there's a level of responsibility that I do accept, you know, there's always some cases where maybe you could have reached out one more time or, you know, there, there's always those thoughts in your head. Um, but ultimately you, they've got to be able to want it, you know? And luckily for me, all the people that I've worked with that wanted it, they put in the work and those are those results that you see, mm-hmm. you know, you know, obviously I'm not going to share all the people that didn't get results. It doesn't look as pretty, you right, know, but you know, the people that put in work that that safe haven for me inside is okay. Like, it's like that double check, you know, cause you get, you get one or two people fall off and you're like, Oh man, I'm, I suck. I'm not going to be able to do this for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know, but then you get the one or two people that put in the work and they get the results and you're like, okay, I'm not the worst trainer ever. We're still good. We're still going, you know? Yep. And that's, that's that space where, you know, what we just talked about at the beginning where I'm at right now is I'm, you know, I'm five years in of hands-on training. So, you know, I'm, I would never say I'm an expert. Mm-hmm. Like I would never say I'm the best, you know, but I care and I'm consciously aware of, you know, how I train people and what they want them to be doing and what they think they should be focusing on. And so when you care a lot about it and someone doesn't pull through, you know, mm-hmm. you're kind of like, damn, what did I do wrong? Yeah. You know, but ultimately, like I said, it's, and that's why I'm, I branded it the way it is. Cause it's like, you know, I'm kind of to a point where like, no, it's on you. It's mm-hmm. on you. I'm here. I'm accepting my responsibility and the things I need to do, but you have to understand that it's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, people, that's a tough pill to swallow for people. This is really timely for me because I've been, I started the Renaissance of Men brand. I had the idea back in July. The brand was finished in September. And since then, I've been working on a website and the podcast and the website's just about ready to launch. And the website will have my various coaching offerings. And for the past few days, I've been working on some documents uh, too, in particular, there's the sort of legal formal coaching agreement, you know, here's the sort of legal thing I need you to sign. But there's also uh, two other documents. And one of them is my commitments to you, the client. And these are your commitments to me. Like this is to sort of establish this. We're going into this relationship and this, this relationship is to generate transformation in you. And there's mutuality in there as well. These are the things that I need to do to make sure that I do my part and I'll sign this and I'll send it to you. And here's a document for you to read and sign. And these are the things that you need to do. And we agree to this upfront. And I, I think, I don't, I don't know if what, what that will create in terms of, uh, and how that'll work out practically, let's say, but to establish these kind of, these ground rules going in that this is serious business. 
this is not casual. Your like your life is on the line in a sense. I don't say that, um, but in a sense, for people who are serious and really want transformation, they get that their lives are on the line. You know, they've come because you have things that you want that you're not able to achieve on your own. That's why you're here. That's why a client comes to see you because they want to create a physical transformation in themselves, which will create more massive benefits than they can possibly imagine. They haven't been able to do it themselves. So they come and they find you. Yeah. It's, you know, it's so awesome. I, the, over the past couple of years, you know, I've, uh, I've really, I've gotten, I've just gone, I'm going full hippie. Well, I'm going full hippie. <laughs> Go like for I, it. I'm just, I'm diving in. Um, because it, for the longest time I was always like, I'm, I'm a, I'm a logical person. I'm a thinker. I, you know, I, uh, you know, stoic is a, is a word that's being thrown around a lot nowadays. Very popular. Um, but you know, like that's how I considered myself, you know? And then, so it's like whenever anyone brought up just having certain like, you know, synchronicities or like, you know, coincidence was always just coincidences. Like, oh, it's mm-hmm. just a coincidence, you know? But what I love about, you know, having a little bit more psychedelic experiences and being around people that do that, you under, start to understand how the universe kind of interacts with itself. And I'm really glad that mm-hmm. you talked about um, that contract, because that's something I've been thinking about doing personally as well is, is basically having that conversation or, you know, even writing it out or whether it's a letter to yourself or I kind of like how you have it where it's almost a contract um, that you it's it's writing it down like this is what i'm going to do for myself so that way it's it's a layer of accountability hey Mm -hmm. man you know i noticed some things have been kind of you know falling off a little bit i know you've kind of been straying um from the path remember that document that we signed together Mm -hmm. you you said that you were going to be committed you know to this and so i think establishing something like that is huge there's a guy that I followed uh, a long time ago. I've been following him. His name is Brett Bartholomew. He's a very, uh, ins- uh, not inspirational, but influential strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. And he bought, he created a book called Conscious Coaching, which mm-hmm. is amazing. And I wish I could have that as my training name because it's dope, but he's got it. It's his. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah. A volition's and, pretty cool. But it's, I, I do like it. It's, you know, what I tell people is the V. You don't see a lot of V words. No. I take it. You know no, what I mean? It's great. Pop, stands out. So, but he, <laughs> He has his book, Conscious Coaching, is about all about buy-in. Mm. And the only way mm. you're going to get people to, you know, be successful in whatever program you have is establishing that buy-in. They have to buy into everything that you're saying. Yeah. If they don't, if there's any leaks, then they're going to go down. That's mm. just, I mean, that's just how it is. So I think having that and tying it into the whole universal thing is setting that intention. Mm. You're setting that intention by creating the contract. You're setting the intention for that client by signing it and they are then setting the intention for themselves. So they're saying, I will be this way. Mm -hmm. I'm going to conduct myself in this way. And that intention, you know, we want to always poop. Like I've always wanted to poo poo that stuff. Just be like, Oh, you're just saying nice things to yourself, (laughs) you know, but having that negative feedback loop of not saying those nice things or I can't do it. I mean, do you, are you ever going to tell a kid to tell himself that he can't do it all the time? Right. Exactly. You know, you, you never would do that. So why are we doing that ourselves as adults, mm-hmm. you know, or as men or, you know, you know, soon to be men, why are we, why are we allowing ourselves to conduct ourselves this way? I always attributed myself to being logical, but then I would always, you know, downplay myself and down talk myself. And it's like, well, even on a logical level, that doesn't even make sense. Why would you conduct yourself that way? Mm-hmm. So having that 
intention, setting that intention, I think is, is bringing the energy that you need to that. What, like I said, whatever you're doing, whatever type of coaching or um, interaction you're having with, you know, on a social level, that intention is everything can speak for that firsthand, just from this year, being able to have the confidence to be able to step out on my own, you know, multiple levels throughout the past couple of years. It's, you know, I think that intention is what sets that buy-in and that buy-in is what then eventually makes you successful in what you do. Mm, I think you're right. And, and, and this works on an individual level. Like, what is my intention for committing to reading this book or doing whatever it is I'm going to do? Am I committed to this? What is my buy-in? Am I fully committed to this or am I just kind of half-assing it? But also in a, in a coaching relationship, like you say, like you as the client have to buy in completely uh, to, to the degree that's appropriate from the start because obviously trust is built over time but you have to buy into what's going to happen or at least be willing to trust the process and as a coach it's your job to establish that ground like this is why you can trust me uh, and i think particularly particularly with men i think men respond i know i do maybe not all men do but the sort of men that i would like to work with and i think the sort of men that you'd like to work with and the sort of men we both like to be is someone who really responds to notions of integrity I signed my name to this document that said I would do these things. And so therefore I'm going to do them and I will instinctively inside myself get on my own case if I don't. And I think that can be a very powerful motivator, just flipping the switch of, oh, that the howling void talked about it. It's conscience, this magical thing that lives inside us that tells us what the right and wrong thing to do is. And sometimes it can be very clear in saying that is the wrong thing to do. And when we violate our own conscience, you know, it can be very angry about that. And I think signing our names to documents that outline our commitments in a relationship, uh, particularly in a coaching or transformational relationship, can be very powerful to bring the conscience into it in a way that um, a coach, for example, wouldn't, you wouldn't be able to go into a person's house and like pop up, you know, behind their counter and be like, should you really be eating that? Like, you're not going <laughs> to be able to yeah. do that, right? But their conscience will, and to bring their conscience into it is, I can, is very, maybe trained conscience would be a, would be a separate, a separate one. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent. It's funny because I do, I'll text some of my clients every once in a while and they're like, <laughs> I was just about to do this, or I was just about to do that. You did, how you always text me at these weird times. How is that possible? That's awesome. You know, and yeah, no, it's great. I love it. Um, and cause I always come back with like, cause I'm always watching you. you don't know that? Like, come on now. Like, <laughs> come on. You know, but it, that's exactly what it is. I always attribute it to the truth. Mm -hmm. I always know the truth, mm -hmm. you know, deep down, no matter what scenario and no matter what, what you're doing, where you're at in life, sometimes even no matter what age you're at, you know, what that truth is. It is that little voice. I consider that voice. And I, this is getting, you know, this is piling in everything that I've consumed, you know, consciousness and spirituality, but I, I attribute that. And I'm sure others do too, to the higher self. There's a part of you, your higher self that, that wants you to do all these things that align it with itself. But we allow the ego to step on that. Because ideally, what it is, is for safety. It's, well, if you do that, we don't know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Or if you say that, we don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's that that commitment, right, that is ultimately what we're afraid of, is no matter if it's a commitment into something we're saying or doing or a big life choice or a small life choice, but you betray that, you know, integrity or that commitment, and it starts to take a toll on you. Mm -hmm. It really does. There's a an amazing woman on Instagram. It's called a holistic psychologist. Mm -hmm. um, She's great. 
she, yeah, okay. So yeah, she's she's broadened her reach big time. So a lot of people know who she is, which is amazing. And she talks about childhood trauma, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what it is. Is we carry that that shame and that that downplaying and the insecurity, and we carry that with us because we're not listening to that voice, and then we get stuck in those negative feedback loops of. Mm-hmm just not listening to that voice anymore. Cause once you, once you kind of kick it to the side or dampen it down a little bit, it's pretty easy. I would know I did it for so many years. I just told myself that I was, I was like, Oh, I'm listening to the right one. In reality, I was just making the wrong one louder, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And you know, everyone that talks about, you know, ego and higher self and stuff like that is the, you shouldn't really talk about them separately because it's really the same person. But sometimes it it really feels like that. You know, it feels like two things are battling inside of you, especially, I mean, for me, man, I always tell people that I I turned on early. I don't know what it was. I don't know why. I don't know exactly how or, you know, why me, but like, I just remember that it's not like I have specific memories, but I just remember from a very, very early age that, that internal dialogue just clicked on really mm-hmm. early. And just, I just was always like, Oh, what's going on here? And what's going on there? And what's that person doing? And what's this? Like just, just consuming as much information as possible on people and scenarios and all this stuff. But you let that voice go and mm-hmm. that voice starts to get its own little legs and starts walking around for you. And, you know, ultimately you don't realize that, you know, you should be, you're not present, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of what gains that, that control. And I'm kind of going on a tangent a little bit now, mm-hmm. but, right. so I but, um, but it, it's just, it's really being able to listen to that, that higher self. And, and like you said, having that integrity to yourself, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's super powerful. Unfortunately, it's flimsy. So you start stepping on it too much and you start ignoring it or you start, you know, going against it or betraying yourself as the uh, holistic psychologist calls it. I think Jordan Pearson calls it that too. Um, that self-betrayal, it, it starts to take a toll on you. It really will, it'll put you in, it'll put you in hell. That's, mm-hmm. you know, people wants to talk about hell as a place. And one thing I love about Jordan Pearson is he brings all that to life. It's reality. Mm-hmm. Hell is not a place. Hell is a, is a mindset is, can be just around the corner if you're not careful, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it's, there's a, there's a stage and, and uh, you're describing what sounds like to me is you began early with a questioning journey of questioning yourself and questioning the world around you. And I think yeah. people who go on that journey at any stage of their life realize at a certain point that just what you said, Hell is a state of mind that you can live in. It doesn't necessarily have to be a place you go to after you die. It's a place that you can create here and now because you see the way that your choices and your thoughts and your your behaviors and your words influence your circumstances. You know, whether you don't have to get all secret about it and say we manifest our reality because it's not that simple, but it's not totally false either. And you can manifest, you can manifest a pretty serious hell for yourself that doesn't even, even have to be prison. Now you can ignore your conscience. You can you can do things that you know are not for your best benefit, and you can surrender to that, say, lower voice or that lower self, and you can make your life a misery. And then guess what? No one's coming to save you physically. No, you got to climb your way out of that. Hell yeah, you do. It's and that's why I try and you know, I it's it's hard 
being in a profession that I am too for anyone that's known me for a length of time. Cause from a distance, it looks like, Oh, well you've always been this like fit guy. And now you're just people how to be fit. Like that must be easy for you. And it's just like, you know, it's easy for you to say like, you've always been this way. It's just like, it's just like, dude, you have no idea. Like my battle, yeah, my battle is not going to the gym. Like my battle is like way, my battles have been way deeper and darker than that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like, you're looking at things so one dimensionally and you know, people, cause like I did some just a half-ass modeling gigs, like for a few years trying to, it's when Instagram was popping off and I was in shape and and I was competing. And so it was like, Oh, maybe I can like make this into something that'd be kind of mm-hmm. cool, you know? And so I was like making that into something, you know, it, the one thing that always cracks me up is, is when you get in really good shape, you know, one of the things, one of the mindset is, you know, I'm going to get jacked, dude, I'm going to look great. And then chicks are just going to, they're going to, I'm, I'm going to be just drowning in chicks, man. And it's, what's funny about that is the only people that talk to you are dudes. Cause dudes are like, <laughs> how do you get Dude, your chest, like your back, like, man, you look good, bro. Like, we, sh- like, is, what do you do? Do you like, you like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's, so it's just like, you know, that's, but you get, you know, you get that. So that's what I wanted. I got it. And then I started to do the like kind of modeling thing or whatever, AKA working for, with photographers that would shoot me for free, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes getting paid, you know, nominal amounts of money money you know so i got that started taking pictures of people and you know got more attention for that and started competing and got more attention for that and you know going out and trying to wear like cool clothes and hanging out with my bros all the time and in a four dudes in one house you know throwing ragers and you know do like living the bro life and and i was getting everything that i wanted i got everything that i wanted and then a few years after that i was you know, competing almost all the time. And I, you know, was in the gym all the time. And I had a horrible relationships with women because I was just a man whore for the lack of better term. None of that is that good when you have all that, mm-hmm. you know, you don't end up in a, in such a good space for yourself. Definitely not for yourself. Cause you realize how shallow all that is. Like I climbed up, got a bunch of Instagram followers and nothing crazy, but you know, it was climbing up and I was like, Ooh, I'm getting all this attention. And I was just like, I don't even like any of this attention. It's mm-hmm. not even cool. Like it's not cool. Again, it wasn't chicks that were hit blowing me up either. Dude's like, Oh bro. Like, you know, looking good dude. Or just like dudes in the DMS like, Hey man, like, you know, like what's going on? You're just like, this is none of this is what I want. Like, this is not what I want, you know? And you realize that you just kind of let that, it goes back to that voice. I was letting the, uh, like this other voice of what I thought was what I wanted, what I thought was cool. Everyone wants to be cool, you know, especially as a dude, like you want to be the cool dude. You want to be with like the other guys that, you know, when you look at them, like they want to, you want to respect them. It's just like, if there's one thing that I learned is that I can get, exactly what I want. It's mm-hmm. just, you don't always know what you want until you get, you know what I mean? It's just the three wishes, you know, mm-hmm. you can get the three wishes and you can rub the lamp and make the wish, but you don't really know what that wish means until it comes true, you That's know, right. cause there's always a loophole, man. And it, it never, it's never as good as it seems, you know, I think that's the, the, the unfortunate side of the, the manosphere is, is people think that it's being, you know, this machismo, 
you know, ladies, man, charming guy. And it's just like, no, those are aspects of, of something that you can achieve, but it's not what being a man is about, you Mm -hmm. know, being a man that you see it when we're younger too. Like I would see it a lot because of the space I occupied. I was a big partier. I love to party, love to drink, still do. Um, I think it's a great time, but when you interact in those spaces a lot, you, you, there's a lot of posturizing. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of, you empty words and you know just materialism that just is ridden through all of it and it's just this it's literally this dick measuring contest you mm-hmm. know and you're just like i i know for me i was like this ain't it this mm-hmm. isn't it there's no way that this is it this is not what being like a man is about like that's not what i feel thank god for whatever reason as from a young age i always appreciated music and art and literature. And so I was able to kind of like get back to those roots and read more and, and explore those spaces more. Really what it is, is like, I talked to you briefly about it is exploring that femininity mm-hmm. is allowing that emotional maturity to come in and looking at pretty things and reading eloquently written books and articles and learning things from nature channels and and having appreciation for nature and and loving people around me telling my friends that I love them and mm-hmm. you know that I miss them and you know all these things allowing that to come out like I said I just thank god for whatever reason that was always a part of me and and my parents definitely you know attribute I attribute that to them a little bit it's not like they had you know renaissance paintings hanging in the wall but they've always just kind of like appreciated some of those little things and always encouraged me to, to conduct myself in those areas and, you know, things like that. And so I was able to pull myself out. I don't really don't even know how at this point, but I'm just, I'm lucky that I did because it's consuming, man. It's, mm-hmm. it's really consuming because it, it's, it, it, it doesn't feel bad doing all those things. That's the mm-hmm. problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels bad when there's an accumulation of shit, you know, like accumulation of a bunch of things that you find the guy that you wanted and you realize like, I'm not even that happy, <laughs> right? you know, until you hit that point, you don't really know, but, or if you can't admit it, you won't ever know. But like I said, I'm, I'm really, I consider myself lucky, but I also know that I put in the time and the energy to pull myself out of that, that mindset. Cause it was, it was, it was definitely poisonous in the sense of that word, but lucky feel lucky at the same time (laughs) well that was the that was the journey that you were meant to go on i certainly have my own version of this you know when i was in my 20s i really wanted to be a professional world traveling dj underground house music so not less avici you know kind of swedish house mafia stuff but real underground heavily curated expertly mixed you know the cuisine of djing i suppose you might say that was always the thing that i was attracted to and i lived in a city san francisco where that was that was a thing you know it's not like los angeles or vegas or something like that la has a good scene too but san francisco is a very specific scene. And so I threw myself into that world. And while I didn't get what I wanted out of that world, probably because I wasn't, so I wasn't suited for it, but I saw exactly what you meant where I'm getting all these things and I'm seeing all these people, I'm going all these places and it's taking a psychic toll on me. It's taking a physical toll on me. And no one in this world is really happy. You know, we're all partying and we're all quote unquote, the best of friends and we're all drinking and, you know, on the dance floor and the music's good. But then when the sun comes up and lights come on, like, I don't actually even like that person and they're a mess. You know, you get a glimpse into someone's life. It's like, they can seem like the biggest superstar hero of the world, you know, when the, the way that they present themselves at the club. 
But then you get a glimpse into their life and it's like, there's some pretty serious problems in all different ways that show up there. And it's like, is this world even what I thought it was? Like I got what I wanted, you know, what I thought I wanted. And when I actually saw, I realized that, you know, not all that glitters is gold as they say. And so out of that, out of that process, I had to also transform myself and find out like, okay, so now I've discovered that the things of the material world, quote unquote, aren't all they're cracked up to be. Are there spiritual values that I can begin pursuing? And like you, I'd always had that as part of my personality of questioning and, you know, reading self-help books and books on spirituality and pursuing traditions. So I had some base to start from, even though I didn't know where the hell I was going. Yeah, it's... That, that base, you know, I, oof, it's one of those things where I look at people that don't have that base mm-hmm. and I, you know, where I'm at now, I, you know, there's a few people that are close, you know, that have been close to me where they don't have that base. And it's mm-hmm. just like, when you, when you look at them and how they conduct themselves, you see how deep they are. And you're just like, you see those people, like those people might not ever come out, you mm-hmm. know? And it's very, it's, it's very sad. Unfortunately, you, you, you know, we talked about this a little bit before that you can't pull them out unfortunately mm-hmm. it's kind of sad it's sad when they're close to you you know it's really sad but i just it's so powerful having those you know, just feel like deep connections i had mm-hmm. a uh, a friend of a friend so my best friend moved to colorado he made good friends with somebody out there and we did a psychedelic experience for my birthday nothing crazy but just got you know three of us together and little on the lower dose side of just some psilocybin and, and we're able to just kind of be with each other and kind of talk about some things. And I remember standing in a doorway and his, oddly enough, his name's Derek too. Mm-hmm. He traded me, he traded me for another Derek. I was like, it's so rude, dude. You couldn't have just met like somebody else. <laughs> That's like cool. Um, <laughs> At least find yeah. someone with a different name. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. It's all the same and everything. Rude. So rude. There can be um, only one. <laughs> yeah. But luckily this guy is a freaking rock star and he just was like, I felt him looking at me and he goes like, dude, there's something about you. That's just like, you just feel old. Mm. And I was like, whatever reason in that moment, it, it just hit me because I've always felt that way. I've always loved history, a weird, weird clinging to history. And I think a lot of people, you know, in this space, we all kind of use the, the um, Romanesque and like Greek architecture and stuff. And I think that there's something, you know, calling to that to men. But if I'm being like real, I, just from a little kid, it was always ancient Egypt, ancient Greece and mm-hmm. ancient Rome that really just like something about those time periods. It's like, I feel like I belong there. Mm-hmm. You know, when that moment, when he said that, I was like, it's like something was ringing up all these channels that pulled me from like space and time. Like I just like, like there was a reason why I've always been so interested in that history. And I think it's just because it's that, that wanting that the historical wanting of more, you know, not more in the sense of materials and more stuff, but more as in deeper, mm-hmm. you know, cause like uh, one thing I love attributing it to is the ocean. You can, the ocean is massive. You can swim forever, forever on top of the water, but it, you're still going to be just on top of the water, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the more you try to go deeper, the harder and harder it is. It's, it's almost impossible to mm-hmm. get to a certain point, right? Because if you get too deep, well, you explode, you know? So it's just like, but it's <laughs> that, it's that wanting of more, that deeper the knowing that you can only go so far. But ultimately, as far as you go down, it's going to be way more worth it than just swimming up at the top. 
you know, mm-hmm. you know, same thing, just like, you know, just with the creatures of the same thing, you get so many creatures at top, but think of all the, the unknown things at the bottom, you know, mm-hmm. we're losing that. Unfortunately, I feel like is the, the deep wanting of more, the, the deepness of connection and emotions. And it's kind of sad. I mean, really, it kind of puts you in a, <laughs> a depressive state is mm-hmm. unfortunately, but you just can't let that part kind of get to you. You kind of have to you know, put one foot in front of the other and focus on yourself, you mm-hmm. know, ultimately. And that's what Jordan Peterson said. I know you're reading his book right now. Mm, finish um, it. It's amazing. Yeah. I, incredible, man. Incredible. I, I'm really glad he wrote something that was decently digestible for most mm-hmm. people. I've tried to put it on there a few people and they, they couldn't really get through it, which I, I understand. I don't think there was a lot of motivation. I think they kind of thought it was a self-help book. No, it's not that <laughs> at all, it, actually. It's not that at all. Yeah, no. it's not that at all. But hey, that's that's on them, you know. And so, it, you know, he talks a lot about potential. In order to change the environment around you, what's your house look like? Mm-hmm. You know, if if your house isn't in order, you know, and I attribute house to self. If you're not in order, then you're not going to change anything else around you. Yeah. It's just not possible because you haven't even invoked that that wanting or needing of change within yourself. The Howling Void and I talked about this. So Jordan Peterson frames it as a make your bed. The Howling Void says, do not allow dirty dishes to accumulate in your sink. Don't even allow one fork in your sink. And my version of that is I keep all the surfaces in my apartment clear as much as possible. So I have a I have a countertop to my right over here. You should come over someday. You'll see it. And I'm very, very particular about a specific section of that countertop is that nothing can be on there for a very long period of time. That section of the counter has to remain clean for whatever reason. It just changes the entire way that I perceive my entire apartment is that section of the countertop. And I think everyone has this little tiny space in their apartment or their house or their car or something where if something occupies that space that isn't supposed to be there, they feel it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's completely irrational because there's lots of surfaces in my apartment. For some reason, that is really important to me. And that's where, in a sense, you know, things like that in our lives are where it all begins. Do you keep that space clear? How what does your bedside table look like? Is it stacked up with half-read books and coins and stuff? Or what does what your car look like? And all these different things sort of determine how we interact with the world. And that's the base that we kind of, uh, we kind of move out from to encounter the world. And when we keep our, our homes orderly, we keep our minds orderly, and then you see it manifested in a societal level. This is, as you were talking about uh, Greece and Rome and, and Egypt, they took, their values were so important to them. They put their values into these massive bits of architecture that you could look around and you could live in. It wasn't like our world now where it's like, oh, this building looks like that. And that building looks like that. It's like, we don't have any values, which is that. And when you look mm-hmm. at the ancient civilizations, no, these are our values, and this is this is we're, we're we've turned our cities into this giant temple to these values, and you can breathe that in, and it helps you order your life. And we don't have that anymore. It's actually being taken from us. Orders being taken for us and imposed on us in a different way, I suppose. But I think maybe that's some of the depth that that at least what I take from what you're saying. Where, man, I want to feel more from my society. I want to feel my society giving things that nurture me rather than just giving things to kind of pacify me maybe stuff yeah there's more stuff we have an endless amount of stuff but there's no and i right when you said the you know the buildings and everything my brain just spoke out and said intention they had so much intention mm-hmm. to everything that they were doing because i mean 
you would too, if it was going to take you five years to build a temple, you know, I mean, <laughs> you had to build you know, the pyramids, like, you'd do it. Yeah, like, you would do it pretty damn intentionally. Cause you're like, well, we're going to spend <laughs> most of you going to spend your entire lives building this. So <laughs> yeah, lots of people are going to die doing this. We should probably, do, <laughs> let's do it. Yeah, right. We should probably care about it a little <laughs> bit more. Um, <laughs> yes. but I, you know, but it's, it's that power, it's the powerfulness. And that's why, like, it's funny. It's something I've been talking to Chelsea about, you know, a little transparency is, is the more I've been opening up to this, you know, new side of it. It's, it's not new to me, to some people from afar, it looks new, you know, um, especially if they saw me as this bro, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of my intentions for this stuff, I feel like is falling on deaf ears. I, the right people are hearing it. And so that's what really matters. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, but you know, there's always that, again, that wanting of more, well, it's like, but not everybody, you know? So that's why I, no matter what, no matter, you know, to me, I have to put all this intention into what I'm doing now, because Mm -hmm. if I know that I put the intention into it, then it's going to be real to me. And if it's real to me, then it's going to be real to other people. Mm -hmm. You know, if if I'm feeling it, other people are going to feel it. Cause I mean, luckily that's just how it works. It's just how again, that's how the universe works. You know, those structures that we were just talking about are still standing, although maybe barely, mm-hmm. you know, but they are still standing because they put so much thought, so much intention into those that they were meant to last for them. What would be an eternity? You know, unfortunately we don't have that as much nowadays, you know, especially when it comes and I don't get me wrong. I love modern architecture. I think it's very cool it's very artistic in its own right, but it lacks the intention. The intention for that is openness. It's just everything is open. It's like, well, openness is good as a, as a mindset, but your space, if it's too open, then it's empty, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? And so if the more open your space is, the more empty it is, what depth is there, you know, mm-hmm. to that space? And to what you're trying to, whatever, you know, you're trying to do in that space. Just another layer of depth that people are just missing from mm-hmm. their lives. And it's, it's, it's definitely, I don't consider it my job, but you know, I don't know how to get to people to see that, you know, right. it's kind of unfortunate. Shiny things are way louder than educating people on this kind of stuff, you know, cause we're, how do you educate? You know, you gotta read, you gotta watch, you gotta listen, you gotta think, you know, all those things are hard if it's complicated things, you know, why do that? You know, why make it hard? This makes me think a little bit more about notions of of fitness because there's two reasons. There's many reasons to get fit, but the way that I look at it is there's, there's two primary reasons. Let's say one could be, you want to look really shiny, right? You want the abs and the veins and the, the shoot and all that stuff. And then there's reasons to be fit that can be, you want to perform well, you want to feel better right? This is your, your inner experience of being fit. And that's been the greatest benefit for me. There's your inner experience. And then there's the outer experience of other, that other people have of, of you being fit. And those are two kind of separate, separate motivations. And it can be really easy to motivate people, you know, for the outer reasons, like you're going to look really amazing and get all the girls and, and all that. And there's something to that. But as you've been on that journey and found that it's empty at the core, but the inner experience of fitness that no one else will ever appreciate, or perhaps they, they won't appreciate certainly as much as you do, that is so much, is so much more valuable. I'd always wanted the outer reasons to get fit, but the inner reasons to do it have blown any kind of outer benefit 
completely out of the water, which has been the most incredible ex- experience and discovery for me this year. You're 100% right. And that's another reason why I'm shifting kind of how I present myself, because it's the inner experience that's going to drive you for mm-hmm. more. The outer experience is what I always tell people is, okay, so what happens when you get that then? What are you going to do? Just going to stop? Because I mean, ultimately that's that mindset is like, well, once I got what I, I wanted, I'll just, I'll just stop. And it's just like, well, you got to keep it up. And the mm-hmm. only way you're going to keep it up is if you keep going and you being motivated by looking good is not going to keep you going because in your eyes, when you're looking in the mirror, you don't see those changes day to day. You can get to a certain point, look good, and then be that way for, you know, six months, a year, but you don't notice that you're, you know, falling apart on the inside. And you don't also realize that you're lacking, you're slowly going to start lacking that motivation Mm -hmm. to, to, to do it because you're like, okay, I got what I wanted. I'll stop. Then you stop for how long, you know, one month, three months, six months that you think you're just going to go, okay, I'll get right back into it again. No, it doesn't Mm -hmm. work that way. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to struggle for it, but ultimately what's what the best thing ever is pushing yourself because the moment you stop pushing yourself and the moment you stop pursuing that internalized fitness you feel it mm-hmm. you feel you know you take two weeks off boxing i'm sure you know you just said you went back after a couple of weeks i'm sure at first you know even if it was a good day you feel like oh man i'm feeling that two weeks so it's <laughs> a little bit you know it's a little bit slower step or maybe a little bit shorter breath um i know in jujitsu yeah i'm feeling it after a week if i miss a week i feel slower like i just feel slower forgot some stuff you know, I'm still new. So like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not just going to be like remembering everything that, you know, I was taught. So you forget a little thing, you miss a couple steps. And, and so I'm really trying to gear people towards longevity mm-hmm. and just feeling good. I, I, I encourage all my clients, like, you know, I, oh, I still have this, or I want to get rid of this and they'll point or grab some obs- most of the time, some obscure spot, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it can be a belly and I get it. No one wants a belly, you know, mm-hmm. it's not fun. Um, you know, it doesn't make people feel good, but at the end of the day, unfortunately you put yourself in that position. So Mm -hmm. now what are we going to do about it? You know, Mm -hmm. well, how are we going to use that as motivation? You know, I like to to leverage people's insecurity against them, Mm -hmm. but that's only, again, it's only going to work for so long because once you get them out of that insecurity and improve by improving it or changing their mindset, they still need the motivation to keep going. Because, you know, I've got clients that are uh, older than 50, mm-hmm. you know, I've got a 65 year old client. Your motivation isn't looking good at 65. It's for him. It's being able to get up and off, getting up off the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, he mm-hmm. loves going to for walks outside. It's being able to continue that, you know, now that he's retired. I, I, I make this joke that I, I hear people during a consultation and what they want. And then I tell them, what I'm going to actually give them <laughs> mm-hmm. because it's like, I do want to give you what you want. I do want to give you what you're looking for in the sense of how you want to look. But I also want you to challenge even that goal. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Away because I want you to understand that it's more important than that. Ultimately, but whether you'd like to think it or not, unfortunately it is. I have a feeling that people are going to appreciate that a lot more 20 years down the road when they're able to still keep going than kicking the shit out of them for X amount of time. And then they have to deal with that type of mindset or mentality or whatever. Maybe they incur injuries or maybe, you know, 
you know, their hormones get jacked up or, you know, people want these short-term results by doing all this short-term work. And I've seen it firsthand. It doesn't end well. It doesn't, I've done it myself. It doesn't end well. And I was doing, when I was bodybuilding, I was on gear for a few years. And when anytime I went to get my blood drawn, the doctors was like, Oh, your liver enzymes are up and Oh, your adrenal shot. Oh, you're like, Oh, and that's all fine. You know, it's mm-hmm. whatever. But now that I'm natural again, like I struggle with keeping my testosterone high. So I have to supplement for that. And, you know, someone who never had that problem and, you know, felt amazing. I tell people all the time, I felt way better before and, you know, after than I did during. Sure, you get like a boost, but I didn't feel good on the inside. Mm. I, I feel a difference. You know, I had the energy and I had the ability, but I didn't feel good doing it. I love that I did it because I can look people in the face and say, that's not what you want. I know that's what you think you want, you know, but that's not what you want. You mean, gear. you know, I mean, doing, yeah, gear. just yeah. Yeah, doing gear, but just even, you know, chasing that, like, I've got to have this look, I've got to have okay. this look For, you know, first of all, you know, if you're coming to me right off the bat, you probably don't have the motivation to look that way. And that sounds harsh, but if you need somebody else to get you there, you probably don't have the motivation to actually get to that point because you don't even, you're not even motivated to get to a certain point by yourself. Mm-hmm. And people don't realize how hard it is to look a certain way, to keep the six pack abs to, you know, it's, it's miserable. Mm-hmm. And unless you can eat like a robot and spend most of your weeks, you know, expending energy in some way, shape or form, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and it's okay. That's my biggest thing. I, my, one of my jokes I tell people is my job is to tell people what not to do most mm-hmm. of the time because they think they have to do all these things to look a certain way or be a certain way. And it's just, you just don't. You just have to do something for an extended period of time. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. pick the damn thing that you want to do and do it. You know, even working with you thus far, it's just, it's showing you like, hey, this, you could do this move all the time and you'd mm-hmm. be great. You know, you'd have great, like I was telling you, Bulgarian split squats, you hate those things. Hey, guess what? If you do those all the time, I'm telling you right now, you're going to have strong, beautiful looking legs because Mm -hmm. they suck. That's just Mm -hmm. how it is. You know, it's a weird relationship to have with people because you're, you're there for their insecurities a lot of times. And that insecurity can be how they look or how they feel Mm because people can be insecure about how they feel. Um, Especially if they have health problems, that's going to, you're going to be very insecure about yourself if you have health problems because you're going to feel like you you know, like it's unsafe, but it's ultimately it's rewarding, obviously, because you're really helping the people that you can help change. You can, you can really help change some people, mm-hmm. you know, but it goes back to the brand and it's, it's on them no matter what it's on them. If that's the hardest pill to swallow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of cases where people can need a start. Like there's different learning styles, for example, and the learning styles are like how to learn a skill. For example, I can read in a book, someone can tell me verbally or show me. And I'm very much, uh, I know this about myself, that I'm very much a show me learning style. Like I don't do a great job picking up, you know, knowledge and particularly skills from a book. From a conversation, I just know naturally like show me. And so I wanted to come to you because where I get really stuck is... I absorb too much information. If I want to learn the thing, you know what I mean? I'll go look up all the different ways to do all the different things and everyone's saying something slightly different. I don't know what the fuck to do. So I, I wanted to talk to you about, uh, about it because 
you know, I'm trying to merge a couple of different things. I want to put on some mass. And we've talked about this, put on some mass. And I also want to continue to do boxing, you know, box three days a week and, and put on some muscle mass since I lost the 40 pounds of fat this year, which has been incredible. I don't know how to put those two things together. I don't know how to put them together in terms of a training program with a three-day split, for example. I don't know how to put them together in terms of a diet program. But I know that I proved to myself that even completely alone, locked in my apartment, I was hyper-motivated to get, to get fit. It's like, I'm, I'm fucking doing this, period. And I did it. And it was one of the greatest gifts, probably the greatest gift I've ever given myself. But I think there are some circumstances where people can feel the need to speak to a coach and to say, I don't even know where to start. Like, that's the goal that I'm going for. But for whatever reason, I don't know how to get there. Not because I can't figure out how to get there. But because there's too many people pointing to too many different ways to help me get there because everyone's got a thing that they're selling now. So that's, that, that's something that is coming up for me as you're talking about, like, if you were motivated to get there, you'd get there on your own. Like, I think there are a lot of people, particularly like myself, where it's like, uh, yeah, but fuck, I would fishtail all over the road for six months versus speaking to someone who maybe has a better sense of which direction to go in. Yes, 100%. I'm glad you said that because it does sound like, oh, well, you could just do it yourself. It's more so, I guess I was more so talking about the people who are, are coming from like that strictly like vanity standpoint. Like, you know, they okay. want, they look uh, a certain okay. way mean. and they're like, well, I, I have to look like that. Like, I want to look like that. It's like, <laughs> bro, you're not even, you're, you haven't even put your shoes on yet. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. um, but no, I totally agree. I think more people need to expedite you know, the things that they want, if they think it's going to help them get there. And I think training is one of those things where it's twofold. You should reach out to somebody who is qualified to help you get where you want to go. And that can be in multiple different things, depending on what they're selling. The problem is, is like what you said is the space is just so overwhelmingly full Mm -hmm. of, you know, mostly nonsense. And so the problem is, is that the the task itself is very simple. It's getting it done. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. And so when I said that, you know, my job is telling people what not to do, it's, it's trying to get people away from all this stuff, like mm-hmm. worrying about, you know, growing this body part or, and don't get me wrong, from a bodybuilding standpoint, you can definitely grow certain areas. And I understand the want need for, you know, wanting to improve certain areas, but it's, it's establishing, and like something I told you, establishing that foundation first. Mm-hmm. Without the foundation, they're not going to be able to build anything specifically. I mean, if you, you can limp through it, but ultimately you're subjecting yourself to a risk of injury or anything like that if you're just trying to slap it all together. I pride myself on not selling people gimmicks and, and this hunt for a niche. And I get niches that are great for business, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's going to really help drive people to look for you being the, the, the booty guy or being the bodybuilder guy or, you know, it helps drive business. But ultimately what I want to get people to do is, is simplify the process for them. And make them understand you don't have to take all these supplements. You don't have to be in the gym six days a week. You don't have to work out for two hours a day. Like you just don't have to do this because people put that in front of them. And they're like, well, there's no way I can do all that. Right. And it's like, you're damn right. You can't, I can't either. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was a point in time where I made the priority, you know, made it a priority and I made it happen. But realistically, you should be having, you should be doing some other shit in your life. If you're able to go to the gym two and a half hours a day for six days a week, mm-hmm. you should be able to do you, There's so many other things that you can accomplish in that time mm-hmm. while still being able to do that. So I totally agree with you. I think, 
it is very important that you expedite. It's just unfortunate right now that you, you've got to do your research, got to do some kind of level of understanding of what you really want and what you're really looking for before you do it. I love when I have people that come in for consultations and they're like, okay, well, like, you know, I am talking to a couple other people, so I'm going to talk to them first. I'm like, go do it. I don't mm-hmm. care. Go talk to whoever you want. I'm going to lay out exactly what we're going to do together. I'll tell you how we're going to do it and why we're going to do it. And then you feel free to go look for other people because I want you to find what you think is going to work for you. If the booty building guy is going to work for you, do it. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I hope he's doing everything properly. Um, one guy comes to mind who's, who's local here. He's a great coach. He sells that he's a booty guru or whatever, you know, that's okay because he, I see what he does and I see what he puts out and he does it right. You know, but I also see guys who do that and do it terribly wrong, (laughs) terribly wrong. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it just takes that, the onus is on you. And so you've got to just navigate that space with some awareness, you know, a little bit. Um, but yeah, I definitely encourage people to expedite that process a little bit, especially if it's struggle for you. Cause you're right. You look into that space, you even take a peek in there and you're like, Ooh, I got so many people that look great telling me I should buy all these products. And then I've got people that look great that say, I don't need all these products. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've got people that look great and do this program. And I don't even understand because I've been doing it for three months and I look the same, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. for me, it's just trying to level with people being like, Hey, um, what I'm selling isn't pretty and it sounds kind of boring and it's definitely not flashy at all. Um, but it works. So mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you know, if you want something that works, like I got you, but if you want the flashy, you know, like buy my supplements after you buy my workout program deal, like it's just not happening for me. You know, I, I love it personally. Cause I can just say, no, 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 you don't need that. Mm-hmm. No, don't do that. Yeah. Oh, please. God, don't do that. Um, no, please don't buy that. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, that's one thing I tell people is like, Hey, you know, like training isn't cheap, but I can save you some money on a bunch of shit you don't need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? So it, it's, it's, it's the battle. It's the battle between meeting people emotionally and logically at the same time, because, you know, I get it. People want to buy the nice workout clothes to help them feel good to go to the gym. You know what I mean? Hey, whatever gets you there. You know what I mean? If the pre-workout is what's going to get you to the gym, I don't really recommend it. I don't think you need it. But if that's what you need, spend the 35 bucks and take the damn pre-workout and get to the gym. You know? So it's it's definitely hard. And I don't know. If I could figure out the solution, I'd probably make a shit ton of money. So that would be dope. But I don't know what that solution is other than telling people to educate themselves. Um, And like you said, put in the work, put in some time and some energy and at least dive in a little bit to to figure out, okay, I don't know where to start. And Mm -hmm. then start asking people some questions. Because some people just go to the first guy that sounds good and then they end up getting burned. You know, Mm -hmm. I've Fortunately, you see people, they lose a lot of money on this. I mean, there's fucking people spending $500,000 a month on online coaching. And, you know, it's great for those people Mm -hmm. who are running those businesses, but they're also just robbing people blind. And it's unfortunate, but it's, it's because they're not educated enough on it. And, and you don't have to be educated in fitness to know when you're getting ripped off. You, know what mm-hmm. I mean? um, you just kind of have to look around a little bit, unfortunately, because people don't want to do that, you know? Um, so it's, it's kind of hard. It's, it's a, it's a tough space to get into, man. Cause you, you, like I said, Brad, I and bushy tailed. You want to do all these things. You want to change all these people. 
they got to want to do it. They get, they have to also be able to navigate all the noise involved with it too. What sort of, what sort of noise? I mean, I think we know some answers, but what sort of things do you encounter? Ooh, just, just, you know, my last trainer said I should buy this thing. My last trainer said mm-hmm. that I should be this much, you know, and it's just like, there's some of the information out there, you mm-hmm. know, a lot of what you see nowadays is people taking bodybuilding programs and bodybuilding diets and giving them to people. And they don't realize that, okay, well, how are you going to isolate that muscle if you don't even have stability? Mm-hmm. How are you going to isolate that muscle if you don't even know how that, that movement is specifically supposed to work? You know, how are you going to follow a diet when you can't even just not avoid the fast food restaurants for a week? Mm-hmm. It, it's just like, so you have all these people that they get some really sick results. They get some really, really killer results. But then when they're done, they go right back to where they were in the first place Mm -hmm. because they followed this crazy, insane diet, you know, for X amount of weeks, lost a bunch of weight, did these insane workouts where they're, you know, at the gym for like two hours long or their volume is just through the roof. They're doing like 50, 60, 70 sets in a workout of exercises. And you're just like, I'm, yeah. And I'm looking at these people and I'm like, I don't know how you haven't lost weight because you've just been doing, you know, and that's what they don't understand is they do too much. If you do too much, it goes in the opposite direction. Right. Yeah. More is not better. Mm -hmm. I learned that the hard way. Yeah. It's just not, you know, unfortunately. So a lot of the noise comes from, I really think it comes from bodybuilding becoming so popular. I mean, if you look at the bodybuilding scene, a lot of people aren't super familiar with it, but it has blown up. The fitness industry is like a multi-billion dollar industry now. And not even five years, 10 years ago, it was like maybe a few hundred million, mm-hmm. you know, five years ago, it started rising up. Now it's just insane. It's man. And, and it's just coaching. You can find coaching everywhere online, in person, you know, I see it all the time. I see so many people come and go from it too, but it's sad. It's mo- ultimately it's sad because you have just a bunch of people taking advantage of other people and, you oh, know, yeah. and those, you know, and it's in every space it's happened. It's capitalism. It's how it works, you know, but the consumers got to want to be educated, you know, mm-hmm. they don't want to be educated, but yeah, a lot of the noise comes from this, this bodybuilding space of wanting to look a certain way, wanting to build a butt men build the chest or get broader shoulders or, you know, it's selling these people on these, these, these fantasies of vanity. And it's just, you know, it works. Hell yeah. It works. You see that girl with that nice, butt, you're like, I want that nice, butt. you know, you see that dude that's got just, he's just yoked out of his mind. You're like, well, <laughs> I definitely wouldn't hate looking like that guy. Right. You know what I mean? You know? So it's like the noise is, is social media, you know? Um, and the noise is just, also just what they're, what they're trying to sell. It's a, it's a quick fix. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same thing. It, when we were younger, it was hydroxy cut, you know, <laughs> yeah. it was yeah, get everybody skinny, mm-hmm. you know, taking mm-hmm. a pill to get skin. Now it's follow this program and get the, you know, get the butt or get the chest and, you know, follow this diet and lose 20 pounds in a month. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's ultimately the quick fix. And what I try to tell people is if it's quick, it's not working. Can you, my number one question is, can you do that for the rest of your life? And most of the time you can't. So find what you can do for the rest of your life. And I pro- it's probably going to work out for you a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about Litman says, this is the best one you can do. I mean, it's such a simple question. You know, it takes being honest with yourself. 
you know, could I do that for the rest of my life? <laughs> you know, and so when it comes to a 1200 calorie diet, no, you can't. I wouldn't you want know? to do that for a week. Yeah, no, me neither, man. I like, that's why I try and tell my clients to try and be real with them. Like, I like to eat, man. I tell them all the times I go out what I like to drink, what I like to eat. You know, it's great to have, you know, all these things. We got to be realistic too. People still want things, especially when they're used to having them. Mm-hmm. That's one of my first values is be pragmatic. If you're not, if you're not real with yourself, then oof, man, you're going to have a tough time back to the buy-in. You know, yeah. you got to be able to buy into everything that you're doing or it's not going to happen. You're going to give up eventually. Well, taking an absolute absolutist mindset to anything is a, is a recipe for failure. Maybe there are certain things you can do for short periods of time, certain amounts of, of self-denial. But when it comes to stress, we all cope with stress in, in different ways. And there's been a lot of stress, particularly this year. So some of the some of the ways that people cope with stress, for example, are, you know, they like to they like to eat fast food or chocolate or ice cream, or they like to play video games or or you know, do things that are technically a waste of time. And I think one of the places where this world of masculine personal development goes wrong is a lot of these guys have this very absolutist, I have all the answers, you're a piece of shit if you don't do it this way kind of attitude, like wake up at 4.30 in the fucking morning, you know, take your five minute long <laughs> cold shower, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just punch yourself in well, the nuts while you're in the shower, <laughs> you know I what know. I mean? And then you meditate for an hour. And if you don't do these things, you suck and you don't deserve to be a millionaire because I did all these things and I'm a millionaire. It's like, okay. Yes. But at a certain, it's like, okay, yes, maybe you can do that for a couple months, a couple few months to, to progress towards a goal. But then you're going to reach a point where you either have to, where you're going to experience some stress that you're not prepared for. And then you're going to have to either, you're going to do one or two things. Either you're going to surrender and give in to the temptation, or you're going to double or triple down on yourself, right? There's a way to surrender and give in to the temptation that completely throws you off the rails and you go spiraling off into space and lose all the progress that happens to a lot of people. That's obviously not good. But then there are ways that people, that, that particularly men will triple down on themselves, clamp down extra hard, and then they get super tough and stiff and then like, I'm a man, what the fuck is wrong with you? And that's not good either because that does that leads to all kinds of problems, even worse problems down the line. And the trick is to find this kind of middle way to say like, you know what? I had a really shitty day for whatever reason or the vibes of the world that we're living right now. It just like landed on me today. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Chick-fil-A. You know, I'm going to count, I'm going to count on my macros and I'm going to have a chicken sandwich. You know, it's not the end of the world. That's not the end of the world. It becomes the end of, it can become the end of the world. If I start beating up on myself, like, oh shit, well, I'll just have it again today. And oh, maybe I'll just watch TV tonight because fuck it all. That's taking it too far. But the ability to be gracious and gentle and generous with yourself. You mentioned this feminine aspect of, of masculinity. That's a component of it. Like to be gracious with yourself, not to surrender totally to that and to totally dissolve into your own like eternal mothering, but to be able to say like, no, I have the ability to do this nice thing for myself and to really enjoy it. And then tomorrow I'll pick it back up and get back on my discipline. And I think a lot of men just don't have that skill. They haven't been taught that skill. It's very, they can be very all or nothing. A hundred percent. You're uh, you're a damn pro at this. Well, I'm glad that I like how you tied that all together. That's exactly what being pragmatic is too, because, and that's why I like that approach. Because if I'm telling you to go to the gym six days a week and you miss two or three of those days, you're going to feel like you failed that week. Mm -hmm. So that having that, that overarching goal 
and then not being able to commit to it when you haven't been able to commit to a smaller goal, like, yeah, it's going to drive you right back into that hole. So having the approach where, you know, follow the macros, you know, if you can follow your macros and maybe you eat outside of those, you know, once a week or whatever, you know, this week because of that thing, or then it makes it totally fine. If you're going to the gym three to four days a week, you know, even five, then, and you miss, you know, one, like, mm-hmm. cool. Like you have the ability to miss. Okay. Can't like, you know, for your schedule, if you miss a Monday. Okay, cool. You can go Tuesday. Mm-hmm. You know, if you miss Tuesday, okay. Pair a couple of up, you know, um, Wednesday, Thursday, take a day off, go Saturday, you know? So it allows for this flexibility in life because I see a lot of coaches that you need to be doing this and you need to be doing that. And you know, you're a piece of shit. You're not following your meal plan. Like obviously not to that extent, but you know, some people will like kind of harp on their people and give them shit. And I'm all down for giving people shit, but look at the plan. Are, are you giving the person shit because the plan's just really fucking hard, you know, mm-hmm. and that person might not be mentally able to accomplish all that right now. Are they kind of just being soft and you need to, you know, dig in mm-hmm. a little bit. It's, it's having, and that's your responsibility as a coach, understanding that person and knowing when you can dig into people. There's people who are like, I'll just in class, I'll yell across the room. I'll be like, God, God damn it. What are you doing? You know, you're not supposed to be doing it like that. You know what I mean? And there's other people I would never talk to like that because they just don't receive mm-hmm. it that way, you know? So it's that it's being flexible to people's goals. Like that's the biggest thing is my job is to teach you how to do the least amount of possible to get what you want. Cause that's, that's ultimately what you need to do. You don't need, yeah, I know exactly that you can get pretty damn far working out six days, especially like people want to lose body fat, right? You can work out six days a week for an hour, two hours, and you can definitely get very far mm-hmm. in that goal. Mm-hmm. But again, it goes back to that. Can you do it for the rest of your life? You know? And so only keeping up three, four days, two to four days a week working out allows you to go to get that Chick-fil-A and not be so damn hard on yourself. Cause mm-hmm. you're right. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you're just this, my dad was a little bit colder, you know, growing up, it wasn't so much of like be a man. It just wasn't a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know how to regulate my emotions. So I was very hard on myself because mm-hmm. I didn't have that feeling of, uh, you know, of, just being, you know, making someone proud. Like I didn't know, is he proud? Am I going the right direction? And you know what I mean? These, these kind of thoughts and feelings that we have, especially towards our fathers, our father figures, um, you want to make them proud. You know, you have to learn how to be proud of yourself and sometimes being like, you know, I really kicked ass this week. I am going to, you know, take care of myself. I'm going to nurture myself this week. You know, I'm going to go have a beer with a friend. I'm going to go out to eat, you know, this new place popped up. I want to go try it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, you gotta have those things. Cause like we said it earlier, you gotta be nice to yourself. No one else is going to hold you accountable. And no one else is going to be nice to you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you, well, you at least can't rely on it anyways. You know, you hope obviously the people in your life are going to be set up that way, but they're not worried about you that much, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately, you know, so you gotta be able to look out for yourself. Um, and, being doing that is being pragmatic is being realistic with yourself. And like, cause like I told you, yeah, I think it was yesterday. What is it? Wednesday? No. So Monday I was like, yeah, I've been hitting the gym as much, but I'm also doing jujitsu three days a week and I'm hitting the mountain two days a week, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, Oh, well, you know, I'll get yeah. back in the gym. I'll, I'll hit, you know, it's like, there's no reason to be like, Oh, you're a piece of shit. You're not hitting the weights that much right now. It's like, well, dude, bro, you're doing all this other stuff. 
mm-hmm. you know? So it, it, you just have to be real. I think that's with any goal is be realistic, you know, and anyone that's like a, a mentor or a, you know, business coach or life coach or anything like that, it, they're going to tell you to set realistic goals. Cause if you don't, then, you know, you're gonna, it's not going to work out. It's a therapist will tell you the same thing. You know, exposure therapy. If you're afraid of spiders, they're not going to throw you in a room with a, a hundred spiders and make you until you figure it out. You know what I mean? They're going to make you right. write down the word spider. Yeah. All right, is that easy? Oh, that was easy. Okay, cool. Well, what if I show you a, a picture of a spider? I don't know about that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, let's just pull it up real quick, and we'll show a little picture of a little spider. How about that? Mm-hmm. You know, how about a daddy long leg? Daddy long legs aren't scary. He's like, actually, I'm afraid of daddy long legs the most. Okay, well, what about, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. How about a pet, a stuffed animal spider? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's about walking yourself to it. And that's really how I try to be as a coach. It's just, and so it's like, hey man, you know, you haven't really been doing the stuff that you need to be doing. Can we get you to do one day next week? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do one day. It doesn't get you there in three months, but it gets you there eventually. Mm-hmm. And that's, I don't, I tell people, look, look for a year, you know, don't worry about months. That's the best way you can do it. Especially when you're talking about, I mean, physical fitness is, it's a habit based mm-hmm. thing. You know, most things are habit based things, but doing something like that, you, you have to create the habit. If you don't create the habit, then you're just doomed, man. Then you're relying, like we said, on motivation mm-hmm. and that motivation is going to be external. So good luck because mm-hmm. you can cons- all that all day long, but it doesn't mean it's actually going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's go back to the self-help book. You read those books and they sound amazing, man. I'm going to, I'm going to, I am the champion of my life. <laughs> you know, let's go. You know, it mm-hmm. sounds amazing. But then you wake up the next morning, you're kind of tired. You're like, I'll be the champion tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Second second place is fine. Yeah, it's cool. cool. (laughs) As we're talking, I wanted to draw a distinction between something that I think is important. When I was on the quest to lose 40 pounds this year, which I did between February and August, just a pretty linear progression. I I have my weight chart that I tracked and it was just a steady downward slope, which was really great. I didn't allow myself to have fast food through that time. And I think that there's a big difference, actually, now that we talk about it, between I'm going to go easy on myself before I've actually achieved a desired goal versus I've achieved a meaningful step of my, I've achieved a desired goal, which turned out to be step one of, you know, like, for example, I lost all, I lost the weight. I got really, I got really slim, which is great. And then I discovered, oh crap, I don't have a whole lot of muscle on me. That's, you know, that's a surprise. I didn't know that. So what I thought was the end in itself just became the beginning to the journey, right? I think I would have responded differently to the notion of having Chick-fil-A just because that's what came up before I reached that stage versus after. So I hit my first checkpoint. And after I hit my first checkpoint, which in itself would have been a good enough journey to go on, then I allowed myself to take my foot off the gas. And I think this is where a bit of balance needs to come in because someone who hasn't actually achieved that checkpoint, say someone's 40 pounds overweight and, and, and I or you or anyone is to tell them, you know, it's okay to go easy on yourself sometimes. That wasn't actually what I needed to, wouldn't have been what I needed to hear in that stage. What I needed to hear and what I ultimately told myself was, you know, I need to stay singularly focused on the goal. I don't need to do this for the rest of my life, but I'm going to hit a specific number and then I'm going to know I've made it. And then later I discovered there's more journeys to go on. But I think that there's a difference in my psychology before I hit that goal versus after. And I think that's that's really, really important because until and, until you actually know how to be hard on yourself to get there, 
can you really, really truly know how to be easy on yourself in the right way? Until you know how, how to be hard on yourself in the right way, it can be counterproductive to try and learn how to be easy on yourself in the right way. Totally. And that's, and that's understanding the individual and how, how to work with the individual. It's, mm-hmm. it's that same thing I was saying, who, who can you talk shit to? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, boy, you don't, you know, you don't need to be doing that. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it comes back to really understanding what your, what your problems are, you know? And if, if, if you have, it's like, I kind of attribute it to like alcoholism, like someone going to AA can't have a drink every Saturday. Mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to ease up on it. So, right. you know, if, if eating poorly is, you know, you know, that's standing in the way of your goal, you're going to have to take some time away from that. And it's, I think what it is ultimately is knowing it, it's your ability to say, I don't need that in my life, mm-hmm. you know? Cause if you go, well, I'm like, you set the goal, right? You set the goal. I'm not going to have fast food. Um, I'm sure you went out to eat still, right. You just probably enjoyed like, oh, like, um, like a night out or something like that, like at a restaurant or something and had a meal. Yeah. I went out with my dad once or twice, you know, just, okay. yeah. Yeah. So like having a goal, you know, with no fast food, it's just like, okay, I know that I kind of cling to fast food, whether convenience or, you know, maybe there's just a spot that I like that I just can't shake, you know, it's being able to say, I can live without that. And mm-hmm. I think that's super important because it, that is that level of knowing when and how to push yourself. Because it's like, if you said that, well, no fast food until I hit my goal, that's going to be really hard. Like, I don't know if I can do that. It's probably a good goal to go after that mm-hmm. because right. it sounds like you, you've developed some kind of need for this and you definitely don't need it. So it's being able to take inventory of the things that you may need or not need. I just kind of went through that myself with uh, smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. I, I like to do sober Octobers. Joe Rogan did this thing where he does sober October. I'm sure okay. other people do it, but that's how I know it, how I learned it. And I didn't do it last year, but I did it like the year before that and the year before that, I think. And so this year I wanted to do it again. And this year I finally kind of had this aha moment. It's funny because I did it when I was actually breaking up with uh, a, a longer girlfriend a while back. And I wanted a sound mind. I was like, I need to have a sound mm-hmm. mind for a whole month to make sure, am I doing everything I need to do as a partner? If so, maybe this is not right for me. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, that's where I ended that relationship after that month. And part of that reason was I would do a tribute to that sobriety. But I did it even this month. I did it again or this past October where I stepped away from marijuana because I didn't really want to do sober October again because mm-hmm. I, I was a habitual marijuana smoker. And this time when I was like, I don't really want to do it, I was like, oh shit, I got to do this now mm-hmm. because I told myself that I didn't want to do it. So there was a part of me that was like, okay, you're clinging on to this for a certain reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and you need to know why. Like, And I, I didn't get a, a why per se, but it was just, it was just an outlet, you know, you just kind of like, Oh, I'll just kind of smoke today. And then, you know, I'll rip the bowl in the morning and then, Oh shit. Now I'm, you know, smoking all day now, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I got back into it after October and I got a couple of times I got a headache and I was just kind of like, you know, you know, I, I was definitely way more productive without it. Felt like I was less questioning myself. I, I noticed my internal dialogue goes way up. It doesn't really affect my ability to be productive. Um, I can be very productive when smoking. I would smoke before working out. I feel like it very, it 
brings me very in tune with myself, especially when I was bodybuilding, loved it. Like almost needed it before a workout because I could just zero in and get that flow state. Mm. Alpha stars got on there. Definitely a little bit more of the flow in that state. I would never <laughs> five times before the gym. That just blows my mind. I would be on another planet running from like the machines if I did that. Yeah. Um, but it's that same, you know what I mean? Yeah, just literally, literally just crawling out of the ground. Wild. Um, now it sounds like fun now that I'm talking about it out loud. But, um, but you know, that same idea, I microdose now um, as well, this uh, psilocybin. And, you know, I find I like that better. Um, yes, it's still kind of a substance, but that's one, that's something I only do every few days. And now I've kind of stepped away from smoking every day. I've done a good job. I don't even really buy it. I just kind of come across it here and there and kind of, you know, pick up pieces here and there and we'll smoke here and there. And it's just, that's what I had to realize. You know, I, you have to take that step back and, and take inventory of your life. And what are the things that I've been surrounding myself with and do I need them? Can I take a break from them? Should I take a break from them? Mm-hmm. You know, normally when you ask, should I, you probably should. That's right. It's being able to, I can't pull that out of you. You know, I can, I can listen to you and I can, you know, hear, I had a client recently who's trying to drop a lot of weight. His partner contributes a lot of, to his bad eating habits. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you have to sit down with your partner and you have to have an honest conversation with him and tell him, this is something that you really want and that you need and that you need his help. He might even be more inclined to help you because you're reaching out to him saying, I need your help. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, your help is going to help me get to where I want to be. And the days that he's not helping you and the days that you're just trying to order pizza, it's like those things add up for you and it's not yeah. good for you. It's ultimately not good for you because he's someone that I told, you know, you can have that flexibility a little bit. Don't be so hard on yourself, but that flexibility turned from one day a week or one day, like every two weeks to three days a week. And it kind of got caught in a cycle mm. and it got back again. You know what I mean? So there's some people who I know are super rigid with how they approach things. And it's like, Hey bro, go somewhere tonight and go get a fat burger and enjoy yourself. You know, have a good night. Cause you've just been hammering this diet really hard, which is great, but your body needs that. You need to shake it off sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's how you plateau. You just do the same thing. I, I try and tell people, but our bodies are smart. You're doing the same thing every single day, day in and day out. You're going to plateau because your body's going to make the adjustments. It always wants to be in this pretty little homeostasis. It doesn't want to burn a lot of energy and it doesn't want to put on a lot of mass because that requires more energy. It wants to just, it wants to be in homeostasis. So that way it can worry about all the other things happening. You driving in a metal box, flying down the highway, people (laughs) yelling at you, screaming at you. You know what I mean? You know, walking into these places, you know, getting yelled at for not having a mask on. Your body is worrying about so many other things. So it's not trying to put on, it's not trying to get yoked and it's not trying to, you know, burn a bunch of energy all the time. Mm-hmm. So and that's ultimately what sparks that change is you telling it, no, we're doing it anyways. Unfortunately, what you brought up is just another level of personal accountability. And mm-hmm. so you have to to take inventory of the things in your life and seriously question them and saying, what do I need and what do I don't need? What am I doing too much of? What am I not doing enough of? And then from there, you know, what I love is little goals. You just have a little, like I have like a little task thing on my phone and I just, okay, I did that this week. Okay. I did that this week. I did my three days of jujitsu. I did my two days on the mountain. You know, I did my 10 minutes of 10 pages of reading. 
with Rob, I, you know, did my 20 minutes of grounding, mm -hmm. you know, and then make that realistic. Okay. Are you going to be able to do 20 minutes of grounding and read a hundred pages a week? Are you going to do 20 minutes of grounding every day and read, you know, 25 pages a day, every single day of the week? You're probably not going to do that. Mm -hmm. So don't set yourself up for failure. Set your goals up for a day and set them up for a week and then maybe set them up for a month. It's all about leveraging yourself against yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, no one knows you better than yourself. Someone can be over there with a stick and kind of poking you and being like, hey, hey, don't do that. <laughs> you know, you know, stay inside these lines. But ultimately, if you want to hop out of the line, like you're going to you're going to be able to if you want. So you nailed it. It's like you have to know that knowledge of yourself, but then hire the right person also. Because like for me, like you told me like, Hey, you can yell at me if you want. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. cool. I can get up his ass a little bit. You know, I can't do that unless someone tells me to do that because if mm -hmm. I do it to the wrong person, then they're going to be like, you know, I, I train females too. I, I pride myself on training everybody. I don't care who it is. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're overweight. I don't care if you're really skinny. I don't care if you're a male, female, you know, what your sexual orientation is, whatever. I don't care what, you, whatever it is. Because it makes me better. The more people I train, it makes me better. Mm -hmm. It just it just helps my arsenal grow, the, the abilities I have. If I approach this like intensity to, I've done it before, because um, I have a tendency to be very blunt and very straightforward. You, again, you're dealing with people's insecurities. And so I've made girls cry before. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It, oh, whoops. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's... Um, it's important that you, that you have to understand that it's important for me to understand that. And it's important for the person as a client or anybody working on something that they understand where their limits and lines are, but they have to understand that you, you got to push through it too. Yeah. I call it a will to work. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a hashtag I've been using recently is a will to work because you have to have the will to do it. Cause if you don't, then you're just, it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And, you know, I've said it to you a bunch of times. The fact that you're able to lose 40 pounds, you know, in a year is incredible because some people even lose 10. Yeah. You know what I mean? They, they literally fight for their lives and because they just won't get rid of these bad habits, you know, or they won't spend the time on getting rid of these bad habits. I was just completely over it. Like I've, I've been trying to lose weight for so long, for so many years. I know what you're talking about in terms of the growth of the fitness industry, because I first really started to lose weight in earnest, like I would say, and say, I think it was 2013. I was working from home at the time and I decided I was going to do P90X, which I don't know if you know P90X, a DVD workout oh, series. Oh yeah, I've done it before. Yeah, it's, a, it. it's actually, it's actually pretty good. Like it's actually a pretty oh, fun. It, pretty it's hard. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard. I don't even like it because it's so hard. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know any better at the time. Like, you know what? It yeah. seems like this works. And this was 2012. And so I started doing that program and I actually really enjoyed it. And I, I managed to get my pull-ups. I was able to do like 60 pull-ups in an hour and my neck started to disappear. It was super crazy. But I found there wasn't any good advice for how to eat. The dietary guidelines that came with it at the time at least weren't very good. So I started looking for a coach someone to help coach me through, like, help me know what to eat because everyone says different stuff. And so then I found my way to this company called Precision Nutrition that does this year-long online coaching program. Love them. Yeah, yes. they're great. So I first signed on with them in 2014 and I did a pretty decent job, but they were basically the only transformative coaching available at the time, you know, in terms of fitness. And now in 2020, there's literally programs and people everywhere 
you know, if in just six years, they're not the only game in town anymore. So I've firsthand seen there's a lot of transformative fitness advice and individuals available online. But that aside, I'd been trying consistently since 2014. I was like, I'm fucking over it. I'm just going to fucking do it. You know, I'm locked in my apartment. It's locked down. I'm either going to sink or swim. But this, this is happening. I was just kind of sick of, sick of myself, sick of saying I was going to do it and circumstances getting in the way. So suddenly I was in total control. This is also like a part of how I feel about things is like there are people who didn't respond that way uh, to, the, to the lockdown. It's like if you've been talking about wanting to get in shape, well, guess what? You, live, you just lived through a period of time in your life that may never, hopefully never come again where you had total control over your time. You had total control over your environment because you're not going anywhere. There's restaurants are closed. You have total control of your environment. You have total control of your diet. And what did, and what did you do? You know, and so that was the way that I looked at it. It's like, I'm probably never going to get this opportunity again, this enforced monk mode. So I went for mm-hmm. it, you know, so I had, I was just kind of sick of it and I really wanted, and I, and I did it. Um, and it's like how to get people to that point where it's like, you finally kick over into this, you know what, now, now is the time that I'm really going to do that, do this thing that I've always wanted to do. I don't know how to get people to that point where they're just fed up with themselves, I guess you might say. Rock bottom, man. That's, <laughs> yeah. You just, you know what I mean? You hit rock bottom and that's, that's the unfortunate side is it, it not everybody has to hit rock bottom. You know, mm-hmm. they, they can get to a point where they're just like, all right, I'm going to do it because I know I need to. But unfortunately in order to get people to change nowadays, they have to reach a, a breaking point, you yeah. know, of literal almost sanity, just being like, I am so tired of this. I'm tired of feeling this way. I need mm-hmm. to do something about it. And that same guy I was talking about with his partner, as I, li- I literally looked at him, I told him, I was like, I know you want this. Mm-hmm. I know that you, I can see it inside of you. You come in here and you work your ass off. Like, don't let the work that you, most people can go to the gym. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, there's sure. some people who are like, you know, who don't really like it and whatnot. But you know, if you go enough and you get in the habit you'll work, you'll, you'll start to work, you know, especially if you're in a class environment, like you'll start to work pretty hard. There's very few people who are met with like that, that ability to work that just go, nah, you know, I don't <laughs> nah. want to do any of it. You know Fuck what I mean? It. Yeah. So it's like, you know, normally when they're showing up, they're probably putting in the work. So I told him specifically, I just said, listen, man, you come in here and work your ass off. Like, don't let that work go to waste. Like mm-hmm. right now you're letting it go to waste and, and you don't have to do that. You know, you really don't have to do that. And so that's the most important thing I try and get people to understand is that you, you're putting all this energy into it. You know, you're putting so much energy into this, whether it be negative and then changes into positive because you're trying really hard. It's like, just do yourself a favor and do all the, all the steps, like do yourself a favor and do all the steps because you're just going to end up disappointed with yourself. And you're, again, it goes back to the negative feedback loop. You just... Oh, I can't do it. I'll never be able to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, this past year we had so much time. Hopefully it's left this year and you know, everything gets back to normal, but I was in the same mindset. I said, I'm not, I'm not going to lose out on this opportunity to enjoy time with my family, enjoy time to myself, going outside every day, mm-hmm. reading every day. I did so many different things and built up so much better habits that I will not go back on now because I took advantage of this time. And, you know, unfortunately there's so many people that didn't take advantage of this time, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that it's over. Right. You know, it's just, this happened to just be a really good opportunity for people like you and people like myself that wanted to, you know, start a business or start a new venture or, you know, lose, lose a few pounds. 
but it, it's not over. You still have the opportunity to do it. It's just mm-hmm. you have to want to do it, man. It's like, like I said, leverage something against yourself. Like you, you have to, you, you ultimately have to. It's the most important thing. This year has been crazy, but it's, it's offered a lot of people an opportunity to do stuff that they've never been able to do before. Mm-hmm. It's definitely allowed us to look at people in a certain way that we've never been able to look at it before either. Yeah, I was sure. seeing people, we've had this conversation before, we don't need to get into it. But even today on the mountain, I'm seeing people walk around with masks on. I'm like, we're outside in the, oh, what are we doing out yeah. here? You know? So, but it's just funny. It's just funny how, you know, I guess the dichotomy of people, you know, mm-hmm. how they're taking this year and how they're able to make it work for themselves. It's my biggest struggle is just getting people to understand that they have the power. It's I, I spent so much of my life trying to figure out, you know, what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. But I had this big stick up my ass against authority, not wanting to do things a certain way which is weird because I was like, <laughs> I'm like really not the most authoritative person ever. And I told my parents I was going to join the army. They were like, why? <laughs> not the place for you. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like it'll give me opportunities, you know, and it did. It taught me some things. Ultimately it wasn't for me. And, uh, you know, went to college, went back to school and, and realized that ultimately wasn't for me. I didn't like the Tony show college of what that was. And, took me so long to realize that like, I don't need all that. And I have the power to create something myself, something that I want to do. And, you know, I worked for my last job for 13 years. I started when I was at quick, quick trip was the company. I started when I was 16. I tell people, I'm like, if anybody had an excuse not to leave, like I had 13 years and I had a 401k, I had stock options. I had all of these things, health insurance. I had the opportunity to make really good money. I was making plenty of good money, especially for someone who's in their early Mm twenties. I had every reason to stay at this company, but I just knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. And so I, I kind of zeroed in on personal training because I love being active. It gave me a reason to be active for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. provide an example to people of how you can be active and be busy. I was competing. When I started competing is the same time I really started training at the same, you know, right before that I was like kind of around the same time. And so I was competing as a bodybuilder. I was working 40 hours a week at Quick Trip. I was training after Quick Trip. So I would leave Quick Trip. I would go to the gym for roughly about like I would leave quick trip around one. I would be at the gym about one thirty-two, and I'd work out for about an hour, hour and a half and go right to the gym and train till like nine o'clock at night. Mm. And I would do five days a week. And so I was like, I just made sure people didn't know, like, you don't have an excuse. You can do this stuff. You can do it. You have the time. You have to make the time. And yeah, I was in my, you know, mid twenties. And so like, you know, yes, I don't have a lot of responsibilities as someone who might have kids and a wife and all these things. But at the end of the day, those are your circumstances. So you've got to figure it out. You know, I, I hope that you have a partner that's, you know, ready to, you know, support you and whatever endeavors you have. But if they're not like you chose that partner. So it's like every, everything always ends up with be, it being your responsibility. No matter, you can with all the excuses. It doesn't really matter what the excuse is. You can come up with as many as you want, but you've got to figure it out yourself. And that's one of the, the happiest things I said earlier is I've been able to accomplish everything I've wanted. And I try and get people to understand that I'm not special. Mm-hmm. I'm not, not the guy that's on Instagram that has all the followers that has all the answers. I'm just the guy that follows those guys. That's just kind of like, 
well, it seems like if I put two and two together over here, like it, it seems to work out, you know, if I energy over here, it seems to be going my way, you know, like I still have a lot of work to do, but you, there's, there's no reason why you can't get whatever you want. There's so many resources for so many things out there now. If you can't do pay somebody, you know, if you don't have the money, go work to get the money to pay somebody to learn the thing. You know, I mean, there's so many, so many different ways. Um, I, I, you know, I grew up, people, you know, always want to just discount you and discredit you. My parents both worked their ass off to get where they are now. Um, my dad's in a, in a really, really good spot compared to where he was when he grew up and full transparency. He works for Quick Trip, And so that's how I was introduced to the company mm-hmm. in the first place. And, but it's just like, he was the type of guy that you work for everything that you get. Like I put your name on the stack for the, the, the interview, but you, you have to go to the interview and you have to earn the job. Mm-hmm. And I played multiple different, I put different, multiple different hats on with that company in 13 years. And I earned every single position I got. I've earned every single client that I've got. Cause even if they were given to me by the business, I kept them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I have clients I've worked with for upwards to three years and more. Most of my clients that are on my books right now, I've worked with for over a year now. Yes, people come and go, but like I said, everything I've gotten, I've earned. All my bodybuilding things. Yeah, I had a coach, but I still put in the work. You know what I mean? I I put in the work, putting in the training hours to work with people to finally leave my job in 2019. And now I'm a full-time trainer and I'm not raking it in, but I pay for my bills and, you know, help support my family and, you know, make our home, you know, nice and livable and cozy, you know? So it's just like, if there's any message that any people that I try and get people to understand is that you have the power to do something, but it's important for you to step into that power. You have to, I mean, Jesus, you know, it's it's something that Jordan Peterson, I mean, Jordan Peterson alone saved my life podcasting in general. That's why I'm so happy to do this because podcasting in general, like literally saved my life. Like it's Mm. not a, exaggeration it's what introduced me to the right people in the fitness industry to have the right influences to get the right type of direction to teach people and it introduced me to psychedelics and you know someone like joe rogan who has a who has a platform of endless amount of people that are on there that are inspirational or educational in their own right to be able to change so much in my own life just from applying myself I feel like I'm just standing on top of a mountain sometimes just yelling it at people like, wake up, wake up people. Like you have the power, you know, you can do it. You, this is, you know, and that's why I love that. I'm not like this. I'm just not anyone special, you know, I'm just not. And that's okay because you know, most people aren't and you're still able to get whatever you want out of life. If you just apply yourself accordingly, you know, and that's what I just try and get my clients to understand is that I'm like you more than you think I am. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I'm waiting to get off so I can go hit the taco spot, bro. Like, let's finish these sets. Come on. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that's what I just try and get people to understand is that they have, they have the ability. You just got to pull it out. You got to, you got to ring out your potential. Hi, everyone. This is just a brief housekeeping interlude. Thanks so much for everyone who's taken the time to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you haven't yet, it's super easy. Just click on the five-star button in your Apple Podcasts app. And if you have a moment and you like what you hear, it'd be awesome if you'd leave a written review. Those sorts of things go a long way with men I'd like to get into the renaissance. Also, you can follow me on social media. 
I have the most fun on Instagram, where you can find me at Ren of Men. That's R-E-N-O-F-M-E-N, like Renaissance of Men, but shorter, Ren of Men. And I'm also getting better at using Twitter. So I spend time there trying not to trigger people too hard so I get to keep my account. You can come and egg me on at will underscore Ren of Men. Next week's episode will be with John Sonmez of the massively popular YouTube channel Bulldog Mindset. He and I had an incredible conversation where we grappled with some pretty heavy implications of our personal philosophies and how they apply to this moment in time. I'm actually really excited about this episode and I can't wait for you to hear it. Also coming up, I'm thrilled to have Clawson Smith, the author of the excellent book Goonhood. I think of it like a Western American version of Bronze Age mindset. And in case you don't know what that is, suffice it to say that Clawson and I will be lifting rocks, breaking things, shooting stuff, and grunting deeply into our microphones for several hours. So you don't want to miss that. And finally, at the end of this month, I'll be talking to Brendan from the popular Instagram account Masculine Revival. He's putting out some inspiring content about his own journey through masculinity that I think you'll really enjoy. Okay, that's all for now. Thanks so much. And let's get back to the podcast with Derek Arellano. I think that's one of the really special things that's going on right now in the world is so many people are growing so fast and trying to, and so many people are trying to pass on their growth and share it with so many other people. There's literally been no other time in human history where that's been true. So for example, you talk about podcasting, the music industry, I don't know what's going on with the music industry, but I don't really hear much about it anymore. My understanding is that podcasting has replaced radio and has largely replaced music. So what we would normally spend, you know, you can only listen to one thing at a time. So what we would normally spend an hour or two listening to music to discovering new music, people are now listening to podcasts. And what are they listening to podcasts about? Like you don't just listen to people idly just, you know, talking about their day. You listen to people having informative or inspiring or eye-opening or educational conversations. Whether you do anything or not, hopefully with it or not, you walk away, hopefully, with some new perspective that transforms the way you see the world. That's a form of self-improvement. The fitness industry is exploding where people are learning to improve their fitness. They're succeeding to varying degrees, but they're still trying to improve themselves. Self-help, coaching, hopefully therapy, ayahuasca, plant medicines, psilocybin, all these different, all these different practices, meditation. There is undoubtedly an awakening happening right now. You can just look around and you can see people doing it and living it. Not everybody, unfortunately, and there are plenty of people who aren't, unfortunately, sadly. I try to minimize my interaction with those people. But, you know, yeah, but the people who are committed to that process are meeting and networking and talking and discussing and something beautiful is coming out of that. And I think that's a really special thing uh, to be participating in today. For myself, I can't understand why more people wouldn't want to participate in it, but hey, Hey, that's their call. And so what you're what you're talking about, and just to go all the way back to the beginning of the conversation, we're talking about all these different streams of your life that are all flowing together right now in this moment for you. And I'm kind of, we're starting to get a sense of that from the, the world of bodybuilding and the military and working at Quick Trip and, you know, starting your, starting your training business and your own personal growth with psilocybin, all these things that you've been exposing to, exposed to. It's all flowing together into this moment for you. And that's the renaissance of men is that men have been engaged in this process where it's like suddenly the light switches on. It's like, oh my gosh, yes. I'm so much more than I ever thought I was. And now I get to do something with it. Yes, exactly. That's the thing. That's the thing, right? Is now I get something to do with it. We're, we're a culmination of all of our experiences, right? And so we're never just one thing. We're always many things. 
And I think that's one of the most valuable things that I've learned is that there's never a wrong path. I mean, you can make poor decisions, but ultimately they're going to help you, you know? And that's one of the most powerful things I think people need to understand during this time. And I think a lot of people are understanding it. It's great that there's so many more people, but then there is like that urgency. It's like, not enough. There needs to be more people, mm-hmm. right. you know, but it's, it is so great that there's more and more people. Like even when I talk about certain people or podcasts and people are like, oh yeah, I've heard of that. Or, oh yeah, I listen to that. And it's just like, there's a little sigh of relief. Like, oh, thank God. Like another person, you know? When I meet people that are, you know, in the psychedelics or kind of in this space or anything like that, it's kind of like a, you look at them in the eye and you're like, okay, we got another one. <laughs> we got another one. Like yeah. my girlfriend and I will always like crack jokes. We're like, okay, that guy is like, you know, with us or that girl is like on our team, you know, whatever. Um, because it's just like, you know, although sometimes it feels few and far between, admittedly there are more and more people that are, you know, going through this awakening and I, I think it's just because people are just fed up. They're just fed up with feeling a certain way or thinking they need to live a certain way. And for me, it's always been like, well, why can't you just go live off the land somewhere and like not have a cell phone? You know, right. like, why can't you do that? And it's like, well, you can't, you can go do, you know, you're obviously sacrificing some things, but it's just like, you know, I've always wondered why everything is so complicated and why everything is so surrounded by, stuff and you know nonsense and it's so nice to see that these spaces are pulling out more and more things you know they're they're still dredging up a bunch of shit too because there's like podcasts that you can listen to about i'm not kidding you i heard this somewhere on an ad there's a podcast that discusses what was it called i think it was west wing remember the show west wing yeah like how old that show is there's like a conversational podcast about that show and i'm like that show's over. Like, what are we talking about? Like, you guys are rewatching this show. You're talking like, I mean, Hey, if it's your thing, like hey. do it, but you know, but, but it's just like, yeah. you know, there's, it's so nice that with the, there's so much coming out now. And the, the people that have been in this space, someone like Joe Rogan, they put out so much, you know, he tries to get everybody on a podcast, but that's great because then you have all these people who are educational and informational, getting the confidence to put stuff out there because people are wanting to listen to that and wanting to listen more. I mean, we kind of touched on it, but like music is kind of, you know, it's kind of weird nowadays. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, but into that same vein, there, there's so many cool artists out there and so many cool new people being able to pop up because, you know, their little, their little Instagram page is able to blow up and, you know, whatever they're streaming on catches wind and stuff like that. So there's no greater time to be alive than now. I mean, people, smarter people than me have said it. I listen to them because it's just so true. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people that want to villainize the world. They want to villainize America because of how we conduct ourselves and the freedoms that we have. But quite frankly, there's no better place to live and there's no better time to be alive right now. We've never been safer. We've never been smarter. We've never had access to resources like we do. Even even some of the poorest people in this country have access to way more than people have in the history of the world. I oh, mean, yeah. people are dying less. People are, you know, hurting each other less. Endless amount of positive things coming out of the world right now. And I think the problem is, is that we need to alienate the voices that are saying otherwise and really dive into the people and the, the voices that are talking about the more positive things and in life because that's ultimately where it is love is the answer and no matter how crazy that sounds it's just it's just the truth 
Mm-hmm. You know, because love is so many things. We said it was accountability is love, you know, and that that that's such a deep saying that, you know, ties in so many aspects of what we need to, you know, cherish in life. That's the funny part about psychedelics for me is it's admitting that, you know, love is the answer. Like I'm 10 years, you rewind 10 years and you hear me say that, I'd be like, bro, what are you, what are you talking about, man? You know, because mm-hmm. I just always grew up trying to be, you know, dudes trying to be hard and they try and have all the answers and, you know, and they want to discredit and discount, you know, their feelings and emotions. And, and unfortunately that's just not where it's at. And so with the availability of all this information and, um, all this connection that we have, unfortunately it feels like people are more getting more disconnected, but at the same time, there's, there's large groups of society that are, are connecting deeper and deeper. So although there's a lot of people disconnecting, the connections that are built are getting deeper and deeper. And I think those will, largely outlast maybe the shallower connections that are forming nowadays. I don't like to get into binary thinking, but it's really, it's becoming increasingly difficult to not think that way. It really seems that there are two kinds of people out there right now. There are people who love life. And then there are people that really maybe hate is too strong a word, but they have a destructive aspect to them. You know, put on the mask, you know, just like barking at people. And it's like, Regardless of what what it whatever it is they're upset about the Karen phenomenon or what, what's the male Karen is it like Todd or something like that I don't know but, um, <laughs> yeah something like that <laughs> but there's an there's an edge well it's not it doesn't even have to be men like that there are men that are destroying themselves through eating and through pornography and through drinking and there's a real destructive element that's showing up in a lot of people and I think that's the hardest thing is that there are some people like you and me and hopefully many of the men probably many of the men listening to this that really love life and love themselves and, and love each other and all the different ways of that world loves, love applies and love their families and their girlfriends and their dogs and stuff. But then there are people that just have this real anger around them and it just expresses itself socially in all these different ways. And that's, what's becoming increasingly difficult to bridge is just finding like, whoa, 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 calm down, calm down. We're going to, it's going to be okay. Like, can you see that? Yeah. Look in this, like you were saying, look, look at this country we live in. Like I've been to countries around the world. I've seen real poverty. I've not only seen mm-hmm. like real poverty, I've seen real self-destructive poverty. Like I was in uh, this, this archipelago called Vanuatu. It's, it's a small island nation that's west of Fiji. It's a poor island nation. They don't have a whole lot of tourism. They don't have a whole lot of natural resources. It's just kind of there. So Fiji, you know, was developed by a lot of the Indian immigrants that were brought there to work in the sugarcane fields was a story that I was told, which is why Fiji has a tourism industry because this other culture came in. Vanuatu never had those immigrants come in to, to build a tourism industry. So it's just this kind of poor island nation. I've been out to some of the more remote islands. Many of these people are subsistence farmers. You know, they grow food in shallow pools and, and, you know, it's a relatively peaceful tropical island existence, but there's a huge problem with kava which is a root that you can grind up and then you can drink. And it's, uh, it's not quite intoxicating like alcohol. It's very numbing. It's, it's kind of mildly euphoric and very, and very numbing, like a buzzing kind of feeling. These communities, unfortunately, really, really struggle with this. It's not imported beer or anything like this. It's this thing that grows naturally. And it creates this sort of cycle of poverty where people will just, they'll just drink kava and get stuck in and stuck into these loops, you know? And it's like, there are these people that have this obvious creativity and community and they're stuck in this kind of world. And, and I've, I've, so I've seen that kind of, I've seen that kind of 
sinking kind of stasis. And it's very, it was very difficult for me to for me to process rationally and to see that kind of poverty versus the way that poverty is generally experienced in the United States, which is fast food and big televisions and stuff like that. These two things are not the same. And uh, I think people tend to, to lose sight of how good we have it here. And they tend to hate it and they tend to get very angry and they tend to want to destroy it. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, let's see if we can improve it. We don't need to tear the whole thing down. And that's the, yeah. and that shows up on both sides. Like there are plenty of guys that, you know, that want the boogaloo and that, you know, they want the, they want to do the fight club kind of like project mayhem. Yeah. Like that's, there's plenty of that too. I don't, I don't, yeah. I don't agree with that either. I agree with some of their critiques, but there's gotta be this middle ground that we can find. It's like, okay, we've built a really cool thing with this civilization. this really cool, massive technology. You can think of it that way. Let's see if we can improve it. Maybe we can't. Maybe it's going to turn into this giant machine god that we all have to become slaves to or go back and live back on the land. And if that's the case, fine. But let's just see if we can preserve it for as long as we can. And uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping to hear. But there are so many people just ready to pull the trigger on our world. And, you know, man, <laughs> let's 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 hold off on that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. A lot of times what I see is projections, you know, is projections of people they're not happy with their own life. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest part it is for me is that ultimately when you see people that are that unhappy, it's just because they haven't made the proper decisions for themselves. And that really comes out when they are attacking or outwardly coming after certain people or coming after the establishment and wanting to tear things down. What they're ultimately saying is I need to tear things down in my own life mm -hmm. because my own life is, you know, is just as fractured as how I think society is fractured right now. And that's, and unfortunately in this, this country, it's that lack of experience, that lack of exploration and understanding of how the rest of the world works to think that we need to tear this down or restructure anything. Arguably there's plenty of things that we can change to make it better, but it's definitely not going to be from a square one standpoint. Mm -hmm. Very few civilizations come back from, uh, you know, a complete restructure like that. And if they do, it's not for decades, mm -hmm. you know, if not, you know, hundreds of years. So I just think what the problem is, is people's lack of education on what change actually means, especially from a fundamental societal standpoint and what they need to just change in their own life. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really upsetting and it's really sad. I would just finish the Gulag Archipelago by Alexander Solzhenitsyn and you kind of get a glimpse of this world of, you know, this, this wanting to tear things down and control people and, you know, being classist and, you know, all this stuff. And it doesn't, doesn't end well right. <laughs> for anybody. And unfortunately people don't have enough education on the history of the world and kind of how things work and what, you know, what's the saying if you don't understand history, it's doomed to repeat itself or, or something along those lines. Um, yeah. I don't think you can fumble that quote anymore, but um, it's something along those lines. <laughs> it's pretty close. And, uh, yeah. And so people just, for whatever reason, that quote misses people and they don't understand and they don't really get, they don't see how good it is. And, you know, and then they, they don't see how good it is now because their life isn't good. And then they take those two projections and then just throw them at other people because it's easier to put it on other people than it is to face it yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's that, it goes back to that truth. 
you know, the truth of the matter is, is that maybe you have the things that need to be fixed and maybe everyone else, they could probably be fixed, but why are they ever going to listen to you if you're not even, you know, respectable or, you know, have done the things that you're requiring other people to do in your own life? Where civilization is an airplane that's flying through the sky. And then there are some people that just say the airplane is absolutely broken from the start and needs to be crashed and we'll just build a whole new airplane. You know, look, Karl Marx has a blueprint. That's one half of the equation. And then yes. there, there are other people that look at the airplane and say, this airplane is just a giant prison that we're all trapped in. And we all have to parachute out of the airplane and just let it go do its thing. And I think both of those people in some ways have valid critiques, because if they didn't have valid critiques, no one would listen to them in the first, first place. But at the same time, they lose sight of the fact that this is a pretty remarkable thing that we've accomplished. And if we all set about the effort of maybe improving what we can in our lives and working together to improve what's going on in our lives more generally, we can actually get somewhere. And this is, this is why I think it also ties to fitness, because in the communities that I'm a part of, people don't listen to what other people have to say unless they're in shape. And it has nothing to do, it has nothing to do, like po hashtag post physique is a thing. And it has nothing to do with because someone looks good or not. The point is, so if you're talking about establishing some sort of order, but you haven't established order in your life, how are we supposed to take you seriously? And I think there's something really valid yes. in that. That doesn't necessarily mean someone who's in great shape is right about it, everything, because there are certainly guys that are in amazing shape that are absolutely not. I'm sure you've met some of those guys uh, along, yes. uh, along the way. <laughs> but at the same time, there is an aspect of truth to it. And that's how, that's how I see fitness as plugging in so vitally into this moment. It's like, okay, so you want to improve your life. You want to improve your family. You want to improve your community. You want to improve your country. You want to improve your wor the world even. Can you start by asserting control over your diet in terms of the things that you put into your body, things you put in your mouth, which is entirely your choosing? And can you assert 60 to 90 minutes of control over your time a day? And can you do that sufficiently and impose that order on yourself long enough to achieve something meaningful? If you can do that, then you will understand what order is. And then maybe you can start talking to other people about what order is. But if you can't do that, how can you say you have the first clue what order is and why should we listen to you? Yeah, that, that I'm 100% agree. And that, especially in this space, I, I've always been against the whole, just, I mean, it's talked about quite frequently. There, there, there's some space for people who may not look the part, but that's also given different time in. And, you know, because obviously if you're like a, 50 year old strength coach, you're probably not going to look like a 25 year old athlete, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but I definitely agree. I think that, you know, the, the saying proof is in the pudding, you know? So mm -hmm. what I see a lot nowadays, especially in regards to like the country and the people who are asking more out of it is that they're trying to get more out of it without actually participating in it, mm -hmm. you know, and then, and then like the government or whatever is, you know, asking more out of the people when they don't put more to the people. So it's just like, mm -hmm. it's just these one way relationships that we have with the people in our lives or the people that we might be outspoken towards where it's just so much easier to be a voice on the subject than it is to be an actor in the, you know, actual 
game, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. our participant, I should say, in the game. It's that disconnect. I guess it's called something I can't think of it right now, but it, there's a disconnect between doing and, and saying. Mm-hmm. We, we're so you can say anything you want nowadays and everybody is but there's no accountability for action there's you know you can be something that you want to be on instagram all day long and talk about it and align with certain groups of people and you can say all the right things and take all the right pictures at the right places and that's enough for people so like their authority there's not a lot that seems to go into people's authority. Now it just has to pass the visual tests, <laughs> you know, or right. like the sound good test. And I think ultimately what happens in that scenario is that it's faulty foundation. So you get these ideas built up on this shitty foundation and then that's supposed to hold up these ideologies and, you know, or these mindsets and it won't, it won't over time, especially in fitness. If you, I've seen it happen over and over and over. And you have all these people that are propping themselves up because they look good and they're sponsored by these companies. But then you see all these things happen on Reddit and all these other places where it's like, don't buy this person's stuff. Don't buy this person's stuff. Don't listen to this person's stuff. And unfortunately it's, it falls on deaf ears sometimes, but there was a good period of time where these people, part of these larger companies that were falling fast because they're out here just selling shit programs and, and, you know, not, not taking care of people, but it's all the same thing. doesn't matter what space you're in, you know, it's the same people, the charlatans pretending just to be something they're not. I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier though, is that there's more awareness and there's more people in these spaces. And so all that becomes very evident. It might take some time, you know, cause people are, Hey, people are pretty good at tricking people. That's mm-hmm. what we're good at. You know, deception is, uh, one of the key features to being a human. So it's always going to happen. It's just about how do we, um, you know, educate the people that we're around. And that's, that's really what I try and take on as responsibility as a trainer is how can I educate people to not fall into those traps? How can I educate people in a way where they're able to continue on without me? They don't feel like they need me. I don't want people to need me sure at first, but I don't want them to need me forever. That's not cool. Then you're just like, you know, imprisoning that person to pay you money to satisfy your greed, essentially. You Mm -hmm, know what I mean? mm -hmm. It's, it's tough right now, but at the same time, there's no better time than now for it to be easy, you know? So it's just going to take, sometimes you got to get burned a few times, (laughs) you know, Um, unfortunately. Well, I want to, I want to talk to you about this, personal training and how it ties into your own particular journey through fitness, because this is something I'm very curious about. But before I ask, I just want to point out one thing, because I can hear my buddy Tim in my head. And because he and I talk about this stuff all the time. So I just need to say this. And Tim, if you're listening, I hope you hear this. So the plane, the plane metaphor about, you know, we need to, maybe we can rebuild the plane in midair, or maybe we need to crash the plane and build a new one, or maybe we need to parachute out. The hole in the plane metaphor is we're not having a discussion about who's flying the plane and where are they flying it to. So I just need to note that. That's a whole separate, that's a whole separate <laughs> yeah, discussion. Right. That, that's, that's its own podcast, but I need to note that. So, so let's jump off of that. And and I want to talk to you about, uh, because I've seen your, I've seen your, uh, your fitness and your, and your training photos through your time on Instagram. And I've seen you uh, go through many different physiques it seems like you had the the brad pitt and fight club kind of look you had the yeah. you had the the uh the mark Wahlberg, calvin klein kind of look you had the bodybuilder kind of look it seems like normally when i see people who are in the fitness world they have like their signature kind of look and it seems like 
you've looked a bunch of different ways. And I, I don't know that I've ever seen that before. So I'm wondering if you could kind of talk about that and what you've learned from that, because that's that's really interesting to me because I don't think I'll ever look those ways, but I have a lot of respect for the guys that put a lot in there to get there. It's funny you say that. I never even really thought about that, to be honest, because um, it, it's all been kind of, it's, to me, it's all kind of been linear. So I feel like I've always kind of looked the same, but I never, you never, it's hard to tell that you look differently at different points in time until you look back. So but like originally, like one of the first pictures that you saw is me right after boot camp. So after boot camp, I was like 210 in high school and then just chubby boy and not super happy with myself because I was an athlete and then I just didn't make the cut anymore. And then I just started kind of half-assed working out and just eating whatever I wanted. And then I hit boot camp and lost 30 pounds and became mm. just like emaciated, <laughs> basically, especially compared to how I looked before. I was down to like 175. And then I was happy with where I was. And then I also had to maintain that shape for, for the army. So I was running and, you know, working out and staying in that shape and then just trying to maintain that shape. And what's funny is during that time after I was kind of like, I was kind of butthurt about the military. I didn't get to deploy, you know, I was in the national mm. guard. It was kind of shitty. And I was just working at a job. I didn't really like going to school that I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was, I was smoking cigarettes then. I, I started smoking right when I joined basically. And then due to like my friend group and then um, obviously people in the military smoke a lot too. And so I was smoking and drinking more and partying and all that stuff. So inevitably I got bigger up until like 2013. Then I was just fed up with myself. I had a couple of mm -hmm. friends that uh, that got in better shape and I was like, you know what? I, I need to get in shape. Like I look like shit. I feel like shit. I need to do something about it. And so I spent three months just kicking my own ass, basically, literally just like eating, eating better, just being conscious, not following the diet, but eating better, going to the gym. I always kind of knew what I was doing in the gym just through self-education and, you know, everything like that. A lot of times following bodybuilding plans, but doing a bunch of different types of workouts, um, worked a lot with kettlebells at the beginning stages of my life, mm -hmm. my fitness life and really just grinding away. And I was able to make a little transformation in four months. And that's what I have Whoa. some pictures of back in the day. Yeah. A pretty, pretty dramatic transformation in four months. I'm um, just shedding all that extra weight. You'd be surprised what drinking a lot does to the body. People don't <laughs> understand that. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. And so when you cut that out and you start really working your ass off, you can see some huge changes. And then from there, it was like, I never want to go back. So after 2013, after that year, I started, I started just working out five, six days a week. It was one of the things I like to do on my own. I also had the time and energy to do it then. And then finally, one of my buddies was like, dude, you should compete. Like you could do really well. Like you've got a good structure for it. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not even big. And like, I don't really care about it and I don't really want to do it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he was like, well, you should, you should. And it took him about a whole year from like 2014 to 2015 for him to convince me to finally like do it. His name is Ty. He's the person who helped me start become a trainer as well, who runs the gym that I work out of now. Mm -hmm. um, and I worked with for the past five years. And so he was like, well, help me with boot camps on the weekend. I'll coach you for bodybuilding and just like do a show and see how you do. And so I was all natural. I was doing shows. I did pretty well. I kept getting second because I was kind of small. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I could turn this into something. Maybe I could become 
like that's when I started doing the modeling thing. I was like, well, maybe I can get low key, get yoked and uh, be a model and just do bodybuilding for the rest of my life. That sounds dope. <laughs> and so I was doing that and he finally convinced me to jump on some steroids in 2016. And so I, I did a couple shows. I did three shows. And so it was March. And then I did a show in uh, November of 2015. And then, so that's what it was. First show was November, 2015. And then March and April of 2016, I did a show. And then after that April show, I got second again. He was like, Hey man, you know, there's another thing that we could be doing low key. If, uh, if you want, <laughs> and I was like, all right, fuck it. I'll do it. So I started, I started, uh, just doing steroids and I was like, this will get me where I want to go. And <laughs> it sure did, man. And, and seven months and not even was April. Um, I put on 30 pounds of mass. Um, the reason I know that is because I was like dead skinny, you know, like just single digit body fat percentage in April. And then in November I was single digit body fat again. And I was 30 pounds heavier on stage. Wow. I was actually, so that, that on stage stage weight, it was, yeah, 30 pounds. Cause I was 170 on stage and I got back to stage at 200 and I got first. So I got my first place. And then I went to, um, nationals that following year did not show up the way I wanted to show up at nationals. I just was running my body into the ground too mm -hmm. hard. So I didn't do so hot there. And then when I, when I did that, I just started thinking, I was like, I don't know if this is what I want to do. Like I'm starting to really run myself into the ground. I don't know if it's exactly the direction I want to go. I didn't, I didn't feel it. You know, I didn't feel like this was it. It wasn't the thing. I don't know why it wasn't. I just knew it wasn't. So I kind of peeled back a little bit. And during this time when I was bodybuilding, I jumped on gear for the first time. I always say gear and people are like, what the hell are you talking about? But <laughs> right. I was taking exogenous testosterone. So steroids as people would know. And I went to the dark side, as they call it. A lot of people in competing, you'll you always kind of start naturally. And then you go to the dark side and you actually start taking it seriously, quote unquote. Unfortunately, that's how competing is. Got to do it. So if, you, if anyone out there is questioning you know, oh, I don't know if this guy does or this guy doesn't. Well, if he competes, he most definitely does. Um, <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, a lot of those people out there on social media, even even females, they're not immune to it. It's a it's a bug that's get gotten bit by everybody, and uh, it's very accessible, unfortunately. So, um, even the people that you think that aren't on something sometimes are. So I always caution people that too, which, you know, just kind of fucks people's mindset towards what they should look like, mm -hmm. you know, it, it makes it cause it's, there's a reason why they're banned. There's a reason why it's called a performance enhancing drug that they work. All right. Mm -hmm. So if you, if you're going to a, you know, GNC and all this stuff, none of that shit works. They're just getting you this buy a bunch of stuff because they can sell it to you. Steroids work. That's why people use them. So I went in, I gained 30 pounds. I think I said mm -hmm. of muscle of actual muscle looked totally different. Finally got my first place. I was super stoked. And then I, I was going to compete again. I competed again the next year at nationals and I just didn't do that hot. So I went to compete again in California again lost some of the luster for it. Didn't really enjoy it as much. Wasn't putting in the effort that I know I could have, I should have put in. And so, you know, ultimately I didn't get the places that I wanted and that was on me, but I knew that it was deeper than just like, I wasn't just like all of a sudden, Oh, I'm, I'm lazy now. 
like, oh, you're too lazy. You're not good. No, it's because I didn't want it. I knew it wasn't it. I knew it wasn't the thing that was going to make me just continue on. And it wasn't until this year, right before I started jujitsu, that I really realized what it was that I was missing. During that time I was competing, I, was, I had something, I had a goal. I had a really strong goal to go after. It was very clear, you're going to be on stage at this date. You better work your ass off or you're going to look like a schlub on stage, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so after that, I kind of lost myself a little bit. I didn't know which direction I wanted to go, but I knew which direction I was going in training. I wanted to teach people how to move better, how to feel better, and basically kind of train like an athlete. And so I started focusing more and more on that with my clients. I was still kind of bodybuilding for fun on the side, but I started incorporating more of that, those training aspects, trying to get more into my, back to my athletic roots. I played sports since I was five years old. Like I, I didn't have sports anymore. I didn't have sports to train for. I didn't have that team. I didn't have any of that type of competitiveness. The only thing that was competitive for me was bodybuilding. That was my only form of competition or drinking games. <laughs> so that was, that was, yeah, different, fun, but different. And so, you know, I, I was missing that competitive, that competitiveness. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know it at the time and it struggled for me to train because I didn't have anything to train for. The only thing I was doing during that time was elevating my hiking game. I started going on super, super, that's, I shouldn't say super, super, but I was going on long hikes. I was doing more backpacking trips. I was hiking more regularly. And I was doing it all during this time. I started hiking seriously back in what, 2013. So I've been an avid hiker for seven years now. And I've, I've done a bunch of things and gone to uh, a number of places. So I really just kind of hung on to that. During that time, it was 2018. I went to Peru. I did Machu Picchu, mm-hmm. which is like a you know, four day excursion that was life changing in itself. It was totally incredible to be able to see that country as the first country outside of Mexico I've been able to go to, um, outside of the United States. So I'm not as well traveled as I would like to be at this point in my life, but I, I was super grateful to be able to go on that trip and have that experience, but I've hiked all over the Southwest, man. I've, I've done the grand Canyon in and out a number of times. I did North to South rim, which is like a 25 mile hike. I did that in like 10 hours. Um, yeah. Uh, I, and that's what, that's what I was doing. I was training for these things. I would go on hikes out here. Arizona luckily is an amazing place for hiking. Um, and I would just do eight, you know, five mile, eight mile, 10 mile, 15 mile hikes, um, in preparations for these things. Um, and I, that's why I spent a lot of my time in and I would work out also. And so, I kept doing more trips and then finally I just got to a point where I was hitting the gym again regularly, but I just started doing three, four days a week. And that's kind of where you see where I'm at now. You know, I enjoy what I want to eat when I want to eat it. I say no to things when I want to say no to things and yes, when I want to say yes. And I just go to the gym and just kind of work my ass off. But I work on how I move Mm -hmm. more than what I'm moving and the weight I'm using. I just try and be more explosive. I try and do more full body workouts. And then this year I picked up jujitsu and I found a whole new level of that competition that I was missing. I get to compete against people now. And yeah, it might just be sparring and practice, but you know, eventually I will do a jujitsu competition because I firmly believe that if you're going to practice something that you should probably compete in it too, because it gives you, it gives you a need to learn. You can just go in and you can learn a good amount and you can roll you know, and you can pick up a bunch of stuff from guys, but it's, it's way better when you can test yourself. 
mm-hmm. you know, on a, in a, in a serious bout, a serious competition. And that's ultimately what I learned is that it wasn't bodybuilding that I wanted. It was the competition I wanted. Mm. I needed competition. I love competition. I absolutely love competing against my friends. Um, luckily one of my best friends does jujitsu with me. Um, along with my girlfriend and I love being able to have those types of competitions. I noticed over the past couple of years that I love games. It doesn't matter what it is. You can make up the game on the spot, but I'm there and I'm going to play. I don't care if I lose three times in a row, I'm coming back for a fourth game and I'm going to brag if I beat you. All right. So mm. like, because I just love that, that competitive edge. And I think that's, that's one thing. If you even realize it nowadays, it's kind of fallen by the wayside, you know, it's like, one thing that happened, I know when I was growing up is, is, you know, participation trophies, Mm -hmm. people just get trophies now for doing things. And it's just like, it's just like, what? No, you got to earn that. You Mm -hmm. know, that's how I was taught. And that's how I grew up in sports is you got to earn that kind of stuff. And so ultimately where I'm at now is like, okay, I'm doing jujitsu. So the body that I have now is eating what I want, doing jujitsu, hitting the mountain a couple of days a week, and then working out two, three days a week. Obviously, some of those things are done in the same day as well. And so I just trying to keep up my activity level with things that I love and things that I enjoy. And those things might change, but I'm just open and I remain open to those changes. And I'm grateful for all the things I do, I've done because the bodybuilding training, I wasn't just like going to the gym and doing a bro split. No, when I was bodybuilding training, I was consuming everything bodybuilding. When I first started training people, I was consuming everything that related to training people and how you should start training them. So I've been able to mold how I train people with how I trained as a bodybuilder, which when you stabilize something properly, you're better, you're better able to isolate it. So all these things go hand in hand to one another. And now that I'm in jujitsu, I'm learning more things that they do in jujitsu, things that I can translate over into my training. And I'm not talking about technique. I'm just talking about warm-up exercises, mm-hmm. mobility exercises, the, the simple fact of rolling around on the ground. You know, Mm -hmm. like that can be done as an activity for some clients. Again, when I'm training a 63 year old client, he doesn't give a shit about how much he can bench press, but you can bet your ass. He wants to be able to get down on the ground and get up off the ground again, Mm -hmm. you know, be able to lay on his back and be able to get back up into a seated position. Like these are very crucial things that we've got to learn. So I'm super grateful for all the things I've done because every single level of fitness that I have done, yes, it's made me look a various amounts of ways, but I've been able to move and I've been able to learn. And now I'm able to teach all those ways to other people. And that's coming from a place of actually doing it, not just learning it. And I think you bring up a lot of things that, that get lost in discussions of fitness is that, okay, so... For some people, building a super fit body, you know, that's an end in itself, say for, mm-hmm. for, for competing or just because you want to look amazing at the beach with your shirt off. That's, that's a totally valid goal. But for the vast majority of people who aren't in it for, and I'll say vanity, and I know that word has negative connotations, but I'm just, I just mean it in a neutral sense, you know, for, totally. for, for how you look. So for the, for the vast majority of, of people, they actually want their bodies to do things they want their body to be able to hike or lift a certain amount or compete in jujitsu. And I think that gets lost. Like for the big transformation that happened for me is, you know, I lost all this weight this year and then I got into boxing 
And it's, it's something that I wanted to do for a really long time. And then suddenly it's not just enough to, to go and lift weights anymore. Like now I'm throwing punches and throwing punches is a really exhausting process. I had no idea, you know, <laughs> I totally. think in three minutes, it's absolutely wear yourself out, you know? And so I discovered like, okay, so putting, maybe putting on, just putting on a lot of, a lot of mass and getting ripped isn't, it's not going to get me, it's not going to make any difference in the, in the boxing ring because I'll get in there and spar with a kid who's, you know, three inches taller than me, but probably weighs 20 pounds less than me, you know, <laughs> kid kicks my ass, you know? Hell so, yeah, okay. it is. <laughs> so, so there's obviously more going on here. I still have, I still have visual goals just for my own particular reasons. Cause I just want to look like that once in my life. You don't get the chance to do, yeah. that, to do that forever. But at the same time, I have these functional goals. And if you build the body that looks the way you want it to look and does the things that you want it to do, that's the best of all possible worlds. And I think that gets lost. Like you were talking about with the distortions of the fitness industry, like you can pick up men's health magazine or look at some of the Instagram models and say, wow, that dude looks amazing. It's like, does he do anything with it? Is it functional yeah. for him? And in most cases it, it probably isn't, but most people, they ultimately want function, but they get lost in form. So when you put together form and function, then you have the best of all possible worlds. Then you're living the dream. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where I've kind of landed as a trainer is, yes, I'm going to help you look good, but looking good is only one aspect of, and that's not even really the aspect of training. Looking good just can, is what you're eating. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, you can dial in your training to really, you know, make your physique appear a certain way. There's that definitely has plenty of room for argument. Um, but a lot of it has to do with how you're eating and that can be controllable, but how do you feel when you're moving? What are you doing? And I think the biggest aspect of that is, are you having fun? Mm -hmm. We don't, we, you know, we're, we're allowed to have fun as kids. Most of us, sometimes even then it's just like, Hey, don't do that. You know, like you're always kind of deterred away from having fun, especially when you get older, it's like, well, you don't have time for fun. You got responsibilities now. And so, but when you're working out or when you're training, it's still an element of play. Like you still right. have to have an element of play in your life. And that's how I view training and it, play can still be hard. Mm -hmm. Play can still be advancement. You, when you're playing a sports as a kid, you're still having fun and you're still advancing and you're still growing. So, you know, it's important that when you're training for anything, no matter what you're training in inside of a gym, outside of a gym, I've trained cyclists. I've trained, I have the pleasure of my jujitsu coaches asking me to help them condition for this year, this competition year. And you're talking about a high level, you know, elite black belt, you know, it's like, so being able to have that opportunity and, you know, being wow. able to train, I trained a younger guy who was at the fire Academy to become a firefighter. So, you know, all these just different things, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's, are you passionate about it? Are you having fun? Are you enjoying it? Because if you're not doing that, then it's not going to last. And that mm -hmm. doesn't mean it can't change. By all means, please change. Do as many things as you can. Probably not at one time, but, you know, but whatever you're doing in that moment, are you passionate about it? Is it consuming you? Do you wake up wanting to do it? Are you motivated to do it? You know, it's not mm -hmm. an everyday thing. You're not going to be motivated to do everything you want. I was talking to one of the guys I roll with today that we make jokes about 
we wake up in the morning we're like oh man like should i should i i kind of don't want to go should i go but yeah. you just got to get in the car and you just got to show up because the guys there will hold you accountable and you're going to work your ass off no matter what because i never i can tell you right now there's plenty of times where i wake up and question whether or not should I go to jujitsu? But I can tell you right now, I've never left there once regretting it. I've right. never left there once, you know, being butthurt about it. Same with the gym, all that stuff. I've never left those places being dissatisfied with myself or being dissatisfied with the choice of going. That quote gets thrown around a lot. Of, like, you know, you'll never regret going to the gym, but you'll regret not going. You know? right. <laughs> but some of those corny things, they have merit. I just, I really stress people like to have fun, yeah. you know, because if you're not having fun, then you're not going to, there's no way you're going to be passionate about it. There's no way. I, I don't know about you, but I can't think of anything I've ever been passionate about that I wasn't having fun doing at the same time. Oh, absolutely. You it know? doesn't, it doesn't so. mean it's not a grind sometimes, but it's still, you'd still rather be doing that than anything else. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the same attitude I've had preparing for shows as it was at, in the military, doing all the fucking running and everything that you have to do. And it's <laughs> same, same with hikes. I, I you grind it on the hike. It's it, you're not, you're not going in and out of the grand Canyon skipping. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know yeah. What I mean? Like now don't get me wrong. There's some motherfuckers that are running down that hill and back again before you get to the other side, you better believe that. And mm -hmm. I watched them do it. And it, you think you're really, really cool <laughs> until you, you get down on the north side of the Grand Canyon at roughly 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And some dude is running from the opposite direction going up as you've just started your day. So, you know, there's <laughs> yeah. always, there's always people out there doing more. Like I don't go to jujitsu. Like I, I just started in July. So by no means am I, I'm not even good. Okay. True. I am garbage and I get rolled up every <laughs> single time I go in there. You know what I mean? Just fold it up. It's, yeah. It's not fun because I'm just getting people left and right. No, it's fun because I'm challenging myself and I'm learning yeah. and, you know, and then every once in a while I get one person in one certain way, or I get out of something that I've gotten wrapped up in 500 times. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but at the, at the end of the day, it's still fun, you know, cause that's fun. And if, if you're not having fun challenging yourself, then, then you have some serious questions you need to be asking yourself. Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? So those are the questions that need to be asked. Well, that's, that's the play aspect. Like one of the reasons why I said when we were training together, like you can kind of, you can yell at me is, it's not because I like being yelled at. It's because, <laughs> you know, in, in, when I trained with my boxing trainer, he knows he's grinding me down. Like he feels the, the power and the punch is decaying and he sees my, the sweat pouring down my face and my face straining. But, you know, he's always like, one more, come on. And I bang, bang the pads, one more, come on. You know, and it's an interaction. You know, he's there present with me fully and pushing me further. And that's a, that's a play interaction. And I'm fortunate to be in a stage in my life where I see it that way. And in the same way, I like working out in the gym. I like lifting weights. But with that little bit of interaction, that little bit of, of presence, that little bit of play, that like I can get myself up to the edge of my effort. But just feeling that energy to push me a little bit further transforms the whole experience. And I hadn't trained with a partner or with a trainer in years up until the point where when you and I trained together last week. It had literally been years and I just remembered how much I enjoyed it. And it wasn't until this conversation that I finally understood why, because it changes it from this kind of solo, like I can do that and that's great. It changes it from the solo activity though, to something that's more 
engaging, interactional, playful between two guys. And I, I like that so much better, particularly at this stage, I guess. Uh, I totally agree. And that's why I've kind of clung on to jujitsu as of recently, because it's, it's funny. I talk about it with my friend and you don't really get an opportunity to just rub up against sweaty dudes. Like you just, you <laughs> yes. know what I mean? Like, you know, but outside of like most high school sports, like people don't interact with guys that way anymore. Like, and right. especially this year, no one's close to each other. Everyone's far away, but in there, nothing's changed. Where you're not wearing a mask and rolling jujitsu, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm, like, yeah, yeah, there's no six feet of distance in jujitsu. You're trying to close in that gap <laughs> as, as much as possible. Yeah. And then you get that. You get that struggle. You get that. Your your breath is literally your head is mashed up against another dude's head, and they're just sweat rubbing it together. And your breath, you're just breathing on each other, and you're both struggling to find the correct position and that correct control. And it brings that camaraderie. It's yeah. that same thing with my clients. I'm standing over someone, encouraging them, pushing them. I'm telling them, no, get back underneath the bar and do one more. You've got it. Like, don't just, you're not racking it. I didn't tell you to rack it. Let's go. You you have one more. And then being able to tell them, see, I told you, you had that. You had three more and Mm -hmm. you still racked it early. You know what I mean? Like, you know, having that interaction, it builds a camaraderie, but then it builds like an expectation of how you should be performing within yourself and around others obviously you know doing it in a group setting or doing it around others you have that like kind of group consciousness where you're kind of like oh man if i don't do the same people are going to judge me and that's great because we all need that you know but you develop that also within yourself you know if my trainer was here i would do one more if i was rolling with my mates then i would i would probably do another roll you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. today i was gonna i was gonna bow out one more i could have snuck out of there early and i was like ah if Shane was here, that's my buddy. If Shane was here, we'd be doing one more. So I'm going to go in and do one more, you know? So mm-hmm. that, you know, it's a habit in itself. You have to get used to it. You, you've got to, you've got to find it. You've got to find the thing that you, that makes you feel that way. But you're right. It's, it's priceless being able to have that kind of interaction with people, especially, especially nowadays in, in, in the world and how disconnected people are becoming. I like the way that you described jujitsu because that was very much the reason why I considered doing it because I was like asking myself, do I, do I do jujitsu or do I do boxing? And for some reason I felt really called to boxing while also being aware that the experience is very different, but the experience Mm -hmm. of actually grappling with a dude for all the, all the uh, visceral reasons that you describe would be a very different experience than striking. And I struggle with Mm -hmm. that decision because I, you know, I didn't grow up an athletic kid at all. I described my childhood as, as being treated very much like a veal. Like I wasn't really allowed to go outside. My family never went hiking. We never, I, I was never athletic. I was never really encouraged to be athletic. I mean, I, I am happy to discover at this stage of my life that I actually had some athletic potential but it was just never a value of my fam- of any part of my family growing up at all. And so that wasn't ever my experience. I enjoyed playing baseball, but I never really, and, and I was good at it, but baseball is a very different experience than like football or basketball or any sort of like contact sport. Those are the kind of things I wasn't uh, encouraged or allowed to play. But I recognized that that was a deficiency in myself. Like, no, I, I actually have to be okay with some form of, of contact and not be afraid of it. And the only way that you can be not afraid of contact is to be contacted. And so yes. <laughs> that's really, that's, that's really just it. And so I, no pun intended, I grappled with myself like, okay, what's the best way 
for me to go about remedying that in myself. And ultimately, yeah. I, I settled on unboxing because that just felt like the direction to go. Like, you know what? I could try jujitsu, but I would do jujitsu and I would know that I wished I had learned boxing. So I'll do that first, just so I can say yeah. that I did it. But as I've, as I've been getting further in, into boxing, it's definitely that feeling, okay, so now I have a sense, you know, I've sparred a little bit. I have a sense of, of what that's like. And man, I'll tell you, sparring and boxing is, is a thing. Like when and I have my, my buddy, Eddie, he's a kickboxing instructor in uh, New Zealand. And when I sparred for the first time, you know, I met, I sent him a voice message. I'm like, dude, I absolutely got my ass kicked. I felt useless. <laughs> it was like, we're on two different planets. Like I'm throwing punches in slow motion. You know what I mean? Through peanut butter and the other, per- other guy's so fast. He's like, that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of how it is. You know, that's, that's the, the experience. And all my, my, my friends said the same. And so as you're describing what it's like in jujitsu, like, okay, I recognize that. Like you, you roll with this dude who has more experience and he just folds you up and it's like, oh, fuck, oh, let's do it again, you know? And I, it seems yes. to be a universal experience that now you have me really interested in. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. I, honestly, I laugh. And I, I bet some of the guys that don't know me there, you know, the ones I'm still getting to know, they're probably like, why is this guy laughing? And I laugh because I literally feel how effortless is how effortless it is for these people, especially the really experienced ones, because we'll roll mostly with whites and blues, a couple purples and then every now and then there'll be a brown in there. We're never like rolling with our instructor or anything like that. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll um you know, and then when you get elevated up into that purple and brown level, it, it is quite literally effortless. And it's funny because I'm decently strong, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter because they just have the technique on their side and they're strong. So and they're patient. So it just literally feels, you'll see their face, you'll get glimpses of their face and it's just blank. And it's like, it doesn't even look like they're breathing. And I'm over here just, mm-hmm. what the hell is going on? You know, <laughs> like, it's just so, I, and that's why I love it because you're just like, okay, there's a level to this that, you know, I have to take the time and learn and you have to be, a, there's a reason why you're a student and you practice jujitsu, you don't you don't play jujitsu. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know what I mean? You're not like, I don't, I don't know what else you would call, but you're an actual student. They call the, I just learned this recently. They call their instructors. I always look at it as an instructor, but they're professors because they teach and you are a student and you learn jujitsu. It's only just the fact that it's a physical element of that's the whole reason why there's a play aspect to it. So very interesting. And it's been around in plenty of circles that I've been around and it's always been something that interested me. It's funny that you're into boxing because I've always wanted to do boxing training and stuff like that too. Cause it looks really cool. Mm-hmm. Quite frankly, I've never been punched in the face before. So that would be a very interesting experience all on its own. And I think the only reason I didn't do boxing instead of jujitsu is one, I have a closer connection to jujitsu in the, in the sense of sort uh, resources wise. And then two, I wanted that like more usability, I guess. Like if I, I I feel more secure with myself learning jujitsu because then not only am I better at manipulating my body with somebody else, I'm better at manipulating their body as well. And I feel like I could be essential at actually protecting myself or someone close to me Mm -hmm. if I need to, um, as opposed to going, you know, toe to toe with somebody 
and hoping that I knock them out essentially, you know? Mm-hmm. And then if I'm being really honest, I'm afraid to get hit in the head too many times, man. There's too many things going out with all these people getting hit in the head all the time yeah. and everything like that. So, but I love that. I love that you went from not doing anything like that to, you know, to doing something like that because I never did any type of martial art. To me, it was always kind of a joke. I was like, I knew that there was levels of martial arts that were more serious than others and just like Tai Chi basically. But so being able to be a part of it now, it's, it's pretty cool, especially being so far away from anything I've ever done before. Jiu-Jitsu was nothing that I've done before in my entire life. So for me, I'm a complete noob and it's funny being the newbie and something, you know, I don't think we do that enough as we get older. And it's really cool to hear it come from you who didn't have any background mm-hmm. in sports or anything like that. Cause I was really lucky that my parents were very um, encouraging and very, they promoted it a, a lot. And you know, that my parents weren't very active themselves. My dad was worked out, but what's really cool is my dad picked up hiking and for not having a really close relationship with him growing up, it was kind of always the he was my father, not my friend, which is mm-hmm. good, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you want. but now, it, yeah, exactly. But nowadays we have something like hiking that really brings us together. All the trips I've done, all the trips I've mentioned, I've actually been on with him. He did the Grand Canyon with me north of South Rim. He was there in Machu Picchu with me and we still hike regularly, you know, so it, it's cool to be able to have that as an adult male and have that connection with my father now and that influence that was always kind of there. I'm able to uh, reap the benefits of, um, and it's really, it's really cool that you've been able to reap the benefits of it on your own and be able to discover that on your own, because ultimately that's what I like to do for people. I like to show them that, you know, this isn't just you dragging your dick across glass. Like it's, 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 <laughs> it's, you know, it's fun. Like, you know, you can have fun working out. You can have fun, you know, hiking a mountain that you've never went to before. I, I, that hiking group, that you went with me was the first one I've done. And all those people that were there was the first time some of them never even hiked before. And, you know, and you lived in Arizona for a little time now. And I I think you said in the past as well, it's like a hiking Mecca. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's almost absurd that no one's even just walked a hiking path in Arizona. So, you know, to be able to expose people to, to working out in the gym and expose people now to different things like, you know, jujitsu and hiking and, you know, just any type of form of movement. I encourage my clients to do anything outside. And if it's throwing a Frisbee, you know, or playing catch or just going on a walk, like, you know, my training is so much more than just the gym. The more I can expose people to that and interact with people who are exposing themselves to that, I I just don't see why it's not going to be a positive end result every time. We're getting up in the in terms of the length of conversation, but we've talked about a lot of different aspects of fitness today in terms of looks and performance and outdoors and sports and combat sports and stuff like that. And and we started out the conversation talking about Volition, your your new coaching business. And I just I want to get a sense for the people listening. What is your vision for what you're doing with Volition? So someone's coming to you and they're saying they're body in total buy-in from this person to your program and your vision for what you want Volition to be and be for your clients. Paint the picture for me of, of what that looks like for you now that you're bringing all these different streams of your life together, which I think is so cool from the military and from bodybuilding and from your time with your dad hiking in the out of doors and from your own 
pulling yourself out of the dark side and, and assembling yourself and exploring masculinity, like all these things. This is everything that's so cool in this particular moment about being a man. And one of the things that really gets me excited. And so that you're, you're putting this all together into your own brand, into train volition. And certainly this is an experience that I'm living through as well with the Renaissance of men. What does train volition look like for your, for your clients or for your ideal clients, whoever they are? It's great that you asked that because I'm at a point right now where, you know, this is brand new. I'm sure I'm going to discover over the next, you know, few years and really anchor in exactly what it is. But the idea behind it and the reason why I came up with this whole, you know, idea behind it is how can we train ourselves to not just look and feel a certain way, but to conduct ourselves in any way we can see fit. I like to participate in so many things and we've talked about a number of them here. How can I train myself so that way I'm ready for all of it, not just doing a body part split or just trying to work on my chest or work on my butt. You know, it's it's how can I train and how can I develop a lifestyle that mm-hmm. supports all of the things that I want to do? And that's what volition is. It's it's being able to create a lifestyle. And I'm not, I don't, I don't sell myself as a lifestyle coach, but Mm -hmm. if I, but if I had to describe it, that's how I would describe it because it's not just going into the gym and learning the gym movements. I try and getting my people to understand that they have, I encourage two to four days of the gym, depending on people's schedules and you know, what, what else they're participating in. But I want you to hit the gym. I want you to hit those exercises and those workouts because those are going to help you develop fundamentally sound movements and they're going to help you get stronger. And they're going to also help you develop more muscle mass so that way your body has more muscle mass to work with. That's that's twofold. That's strength. And then that's also losing, having less body fat because if you have more muscle, you're naturally going to have less body fat. So that's the gym aspect of it then how are you eating? How are you fueling yourself? Not only for the gym, but for everyday life. Are you crashing at noon when you have a lunch break and then you feel like a slob the rest of the day? Why is that? You know? So what are you feeding yourself throughout the day to help you perform in the gym and perform at work or perform for your family? Also, what is your sleep like? You know, are you sleeping? What is your life stress like? I, I ask these questions and pour these things out of all my people, especially if I feel like they need it. There's people, you know, I'm very shape-shifting when it comes to my clients. I know what some people need and what some other people don't need. It's, it's all about questions, asking the right questions. You know, so some people need help with their sleep. Some people need the help with their life stress. Their life stress is why they're not sleeping. It's why they're not getting to the gym. It's why they're not motivated. And then apart from all of that, what are you doing outside of the gym? Do you have a hobby? You know, Mm -hmm. are you conducting yourself in any hobbies right now? Are you trying anything new? These are conversations that I have with people. This isn't just you coming to the gym and asking, oh, hey, how was your day? Oh, hey, how was your week? It's what are you doing to help improve this process, improve your life? These are questions that I try and ask people. So my vision for it isn't just training. It's, it's training a mindset. Mm -hmm. It's how are you approaching all aspects of your life? And I don't have a formula written down for it. It's not the same for each people. Maybe it's something I can develop over time that I can automate, you know, maybe who knows, but it's more so imploring people to ask these questions themselves. Hey, I haven't been hitting my goals this week. 
what's standing in the way. There's a question there that I send out to my, a lot of my online clients because I'm, I'm able to connect with people you know, better, obviously in person, but my online clients, they fill out a questionnaire, uh, every week. And it's, did I achieve what I wanted to achieve this week? If not, why did I not achieve it? Mm-hmm. You know, what are the obstacles in my way? So volition is, is not just the will to do something, but it's the, the ability to, to question why you're doing it and maybe why not you're doing it in that given moment. So it's just all encompassing. And, I, and the reason why I decided on that was because that's the only way you can invoke change. Mm-hmm. I can't get somebody who's not, doesn't care about their sleep, who doesn't care about their life stress and doesn't care about what they want to eat to look a certain way. It's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. I can't get somebody ready for certain things like a firefighter school or the military or training for certain things or looking good for a wedding if they aren't training the days they need to be training, if they're not eating the way they need to be eating, if they're not sleeping the way they're sleeping, something like sleep is, the is sl- well, no pun intended, but slept on <laughs> and people don't, you know, it, people don't even think about it. And it's one of the most important processes that our body goes through on a regular basis to be able to function even remotely normally in everyday life. And it's something that people don't even talk about. Mm-hmm. Shit, if anything, nowadays people are like, oh, I'll sleep when I die. It's like, okay, well, good, good luck with <laughs> good that. Luck with that. Like, yeah. yeah, I've been that guy. It doesn't work out very long. <laughs> so, volition is just all encompassing. It's a mindset. It, there, I have a saying it's internal incremental improvements. Nice. And that's what it's about. It's, it, it's about improving yourself incrementally so you can't do it in broad strokes it doesn't work that way every time you try and take on too large of a task you will fail it that's Mm. the whole point of it being a large task is that it becomes inevitably too much to handle so if you set small goals over a period of time and you're you know intentional about it you're internalizing it then you will make change if you do not do it that way, you will not make change over time. And so that's why I settled on that saying it's a, I consider it a mantra, but it's also actionable. Mm-hmm. And that's my biggest thing is what's actionable. What can you do right now to be better? I can tell you a bunch of cool fruity things that sound amazing, but that are not actionable. Mm-hmm. So what's something that you can internalize that is small enough for you to achieve, but hard enough to make it challenging and then you can actually improve on it. And that's what it's all about. Um, and the reason why I told you before that I settled on volition because it's up to the individual. You, you'll look at volition and it's, it's simply defined as will, but volition in a psychological standpoint is the will to make a decision and commit to something. Mm-hmm. And that is what's funny about the actual definition of that, the, the psychological definition of volition is that built into that definition is the fact that it takes time. That's Mm -hmm. what's funny about it. So what it says actually is not just that the individual individual decides and commits to a certain course of action, but it's the actual process that's applied consciously over time to be automized as habits. Mm -hmm. So the whole word itself is exactly what you need to do to change. And so that's my whole direction now is how can we invoke change in you? Mm -hmm. What is something that you can 
create an intention around that you can internalize over time to actually change. Because if you can't change, then you're just going to revert back eventually, whether it's one month, three months, six months, and you're going to be in the same place that you were at the beginning. And that doesn't help anybody out. Sure, I could help make a, a quick buck off of you and then hopefully find somebody else after you're gone. But that doesn't do anything for you in the long run. And quite frankly, that doesn't really make me passionate about what I do. Key in the word volition, it makes me think of also the word voluntary. And there's a similar root there. You know, you do something voluntary means you don't have to do it. You do something voluntary, you've chosen to do it. You're a volunteer. You're not, you're not a forced labor. You volunteered for the role. So yes. uh, you've chosen it. And in the same way with volition, you've enacted your will. You've, you've volunteered in a way. I would be curious to look up with the VOL, what that word root means. Maybe from I would too. Yeah, maybe I'll do that right now. But in one way or another, you've volunteered for this. You chose it. You chose it consciously. And there's, there's real power in that, that I don't know that people are made as aware of perhaps as, as they should be. The power of your will to choose something when you fully choose it. Most people, I think, just kind of allow themselves to cruise through their life without making too many difficult choices, maybe staying in their lane, staying in the groove. But to break out of that inertia requires effort and will and intention. It requires volition. And it sounds like that's what you're offering. Yes, 100%. And you nailed it. And I beat you to it. I looked up that root word real quick. And it, uh, it's the Latin meaning for wish or will. So will oh, wow. itself is actually the will or wishing to do something. That's awesome. Yeah, it makes sense. So, And that's what I, you know, I talked about it earlier, being hippie, you know, allowing the universe. The universe talks to us in many different ways through many different channels. And things like this, when... You know, when you really stumble upon something that speaks to you, it's like, that's when you know, like for me personally, that's when I knew this was something. Because when I looked it up, it was, it didn't matter how I cut it. It didn't matter how I try to define it or, you know, describe it is it made sense all the way through. And it's, it's one of those things where I was never confident in, I didn't have a brand for myself. I worked with my buddy and I'm grateful for everything that he gave me and the opportunity that he gave me. Because most of the time when you start training, you're, you're at like a LA fitness making like $6 an hour. I got to do this, you know, out the gun the way I wanted to do it. But now I'm able to present it the way I want to do it and present it with something that really aligns with who I am as a person. Um, unfortunately, working with someone else, no one saw the only people that saw the person was the people I worked directly with that I had conversations with. I want people to be able to almost understand my intent and my idea behind the brand, which is the whole idea of a brand, arguably, when they see the word, mm -hmm. when they see the branding, when they see the content, they're like, holy shit, this isn't just going to the gym. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. it's a whole different, it's a whole, like I said, lifestyle. And I think that's arguably what actually sparks the change that people are after. Yes, they, they, they're paying for a transformation, but a transformation isn't forever. So if I can actually change your mindset towards it and change your habits, then we have something totally different than a transformation. And I think it's important what you're doing with the brand is making it express your values. 
that's one of the ways that you filter out different clients. That's one of the ways that you create buy-in upfront. It's like, uh, you know, I dealt yes. with this one, putting together the Renaissance of Ben. Maybe some people are going to find this idea of the Renaissance of Ben with its classic Greek sculpture head and the word Renaissance and, you know, the fonts and everything to be elitist. It's like, I'm not intending mm -hmm. to be elitist, but the idea is that this is something that you're going to aspire to. This isn't junkyard coaching. This isn't a junkyard vision. This is something that you have to want. This is something that I want to pull something out of you, that you want to pull something out of yourself, that you want to grow and change and transform to live up to the ideals embodied in some of the values behind the things that I've chosen. And yeah, some people aren't going to live up to that and that's fine. And they can choose. There's no shortage of coaches and no shortage of brands to explore and setting that standard high up front. Yeah, maybe it means you won't get as many clients, or maybe it means I won't get as many clients as I would otherwise if I made something, quote, more accessible. But I don't necessarily want more clients in that way. I want more clients that are bought into the vision, that want to become something special, some idealized versions of themselves. Holistic masculinity is the phrase that I've been using. They really want that and don't want someone to just kind of make nice to them. It's like, no, no, this is, this is an effort because we're striving to create truth and goodness and beauty in ourselves. And that's not easy. And if you want that, great, we can get there together. And if you want something a little bit easier path, there's plenty of them. There's plenty of men that you can find that also perhaps don't have this kind of classic Greek. Maybe they're more into a more military vibe, or maybe they're into more an outdoorsy kind of vibe. There's all these different ways that there are enough people to go around to express themselves, to find the particular key that fits in their lock, let's say. That's the really important thing to do. And it's hard for some people to do in branding because they want to create as big a tent as possible but you don't succeed creating a big tent. You succeed by being specific and by being intentional about what you create. Yes, I totally agree. And that's exactly why we get along. And that's exactly <laughs> why I was drawn to the podcast and everything when I saw Rob on it, because it, it was like, even the intro, I've made comments on it before. Mm -hmm. It's like, it, it sparks a fire, you that's know, awesome. and then the, you can feel that from you that it's like this might not be for everybody but for the people it is it's for those people mm -hmm. and they will be drawn to it and that's exactly i consider it a boundary boundaries are a big thing when it comes to really finding your place as yourself i think it, it takes a lot of awareness to be able to set boundaries that's what you're doing with a brand name that's what you're doing with statements about your company as you're setting a boundary of these are the people that I want in here. It's not that you're bad or we're better or anything like that. It's just that this is a very specific place and it takes a very specific mindset and approach. And if you're not willing to meet those, then this is just not going to work out for you. Mm -hmm. And it's okay that it won't work out for you because like you said, there's enough resources for you to go find something that may work out for you better. Mm -hmm. For me, I like to really, I like to think that I'm, my door is open for a lot of people. It's just those people have to be willing to work. And unfortunately, that's a boundary within itself. Some people don't want to do the work. Now, if you don't want to do the work, I implore you to really dive into why you don't want to do the work. Because right. even if you find a guy that aligns with your thinking, well, if that guy don't want to do the work and you don't want to do the work, then who the hell is doing the work? <laughs> you know what I mean? So, but you know, but that being outside of that, it's a boundary and you're setting a boundary for, you know, what you want to do and the business that you want to create. And that's what I'm doing with mine too. And what's great about that. And what's great about owning your own business and being your own brand in these things is that that's how you create the life you want. Mm -hmm. Now I get to work with people that I enjoy working with and that enjoy working with me. It's not, oh man, I got to work with 
Brenda at three today and she, yeah. uh, man, she's a, she's a tough cookie to deal with. You know what I mean? It's, I get to look forward to all the people I work with. We get a joke and have fun while doing something that's also on the same level, serious and engaging and challenging. And that, that right there, I mean, dude, I, I can tell you right now, I never thought I'd be in this position, but you know, obviously super grateful that I am and super grateful, um, to have the opportunity to really step up not for anybody else, but for myself and the people that I choose to work with. That's the best feeling is that you've created a platform that you can stand on and you can invite other people to stand with you. And then you can be a stand for other people because you've created that space. Like, this is who I am. This is what I believe. This is what I'm about. You, this other person, you know who I am and you know what I'm about. And you come and you join me in this mission and other people who don't, they don't resonate with it. They find their own way, but together we can form together in this little, hopefully a, a, a large or a small group and push something forward. And that's how it, that's how it proceeds. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's, it's just priceless. You can't put a you know price tag on it. It's just a cool place to be at right now. It's still new. I, I still feel like a rookie and that's okay. And that's good, but it's encouraging to see people fall in line with it and feel attracted to it because you know at the end of the day we can be as confident as we want to something but you still need the feedback and so having people like you pay attention and you know make the comments that you have made about the work that i've put into it and having my clients getting the feedback from my clients because i told you i've been i've been working on this basically this whole year you know spending a lot of time and energy on something that is meaningful to you you, you kind of get, you know, you have some slight insecurities, like, is it going to resonate? Mm -hmm. Is it going to make sense? You know, is it going to be cool in a way too, you know, cause we still want it to be cool, you know, mm -hmm. you know, we want it to be meaningful, but it also it's still gotta be cool. Right. You know, yeah. I want to be part of something cool, whatever that means to, you know, the individual, but so having it out there now and putting it out there and talking about it, and the way it's being received is, it feels really good it feels right. And I think that's the best part about it is when you are attacking the things that you're most passionate about and that you feel most aligned with that is true to yourself. It just feels right. And even though you have those doubts and you have, you know, maybe the little voices in your head, you know, telling you otherwise, you can still move forward with confidence and with a swiftness because you know that deep within yourself that it's right. That's really exciting, man. I'm excited to be a part of it. I'm excited too. And I'm excited to be a part of this and have discovered this that you're doing. Cause I think it's really, really cool. And it was really awesome when we both realized like, Oh, we're, Hey, we're both in Arizona. We can actually, <laughs> that's right. We can actually hang out. <laughs> <laughs> People remember yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Seriously. And I see that Spartan helmet in the background and I'm going to have to come over and see if it fits my head or not at some point. I think <laughs> it, is, it is actually a wearable Spartan helmet. It's, it yes. is actually, you can put it on. It's got a, it's got leather straps and everything inside. That is so cool. <laughs> that fits my my historic nerdiness on a whole different level. I just have to get a sword because I, uh, you know, when I was in when I was in China, I did uh, some sword fighting training in Wudan Mountain, and there's some cool pictures of me doing that. And so, I, what I need to get is I need to get one of those. Uh, it's called a Wudang uh, elixir sword, and so I need, okay. to get, need to get one of those and, and hang it on the wall. I did buy one, but it, it's in New Zealand, and it's as it turns out, it's not easy to ship a sword from New Zealand to the United States. 
<laughs> it makes it makes sense, but you think you'd be able to. I just like it's a Wu Dan elixir sword. That just sounds magical on the top, <laughs> doesn't it? Oh yeah, <laughs> it really does. If you've seen a uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, um, I was doing that. No, just kidding. Um, that, that is actually, uh, that is the style of, of sword that it is. It's kind of this wobbly kind of sword and it's very, uh, okay. it's very artistic and very balletic in it's, in its movements as opposed, as opposed to like hacking and slashing. Um, and it, yeah, but, but that, yeah, and it's a different, it's a different form of, uh, of Kung Fu. That's, that's very, that has a lot of roots in Tai Chi as well. That's cool. It's a very artistic style of flow almost i would imagine right mm -hmm. yeah and apparently yeah. i mean that no one there really spoke english there were a couple people that sort of spoke a little bit of english but they were able to communicate to me like you appear to be very good at this which was really validating oh so, that's so cool yeah. hell yeah. yeah which is kind of rare when you when you don't come from like that you know athletic background you know you don't see a lot of people that are able to find that kind of flow and movement sometimes when they when they're missing that from a, a younger standpoint so that's pretty badass well, especially to be a especially to be a six foot tall a white american dude who just kind of <laughs> shows up and they don't usually let the foreigners who come to train there they don't usually let them train with the sword but apparently some sort of fortune smiled on me i guess that's awesome it's because you you took the steps that's why you got rewarded that's right well so this has been great so where can people go to find out more about you and what you're working on right now awesome because i just streamlined this stuff and so it made it a lot easier so my instagram is going to be train volition and then my website is going to be volitiontraining.com it's spelled exactly how it should be which is awesome that's the great part about having such a unique name is mm -hmm. no one's taken it yet so yeah so they can find me in those two places i don't really do much outside of that because i try and put a lot of time and energy in my instagram and put out some good information through there and uh you know, make it look inviting and stuff like that. So I'll be launching, actually launching my website here on the first. But if anyone's interested in kind of seeing where I'm coming from and or wants to strike up a conversation, they can find me at Train Volition on Instagram. Yeah, that's how we connected was through your Instagram, which is, I always, I really enjoy all the content you put on there. Thank you. I appreciate that. I really, I really do. Because uh, uh, the engagements lately have been making me hurt. But you know, it's kind of one of those things where you just, again, you put out the information that you uh, cling to. And uh, what's what's really cool as a side note to that is being more engaged with you and Rob. I'm starting to actually see a lot more people, a different type of person come my way. And it's uh, it's really encouraging. And it, it, it makes it known that, you know, people are out there looking for this type of information and looking for this type of help. But it just fuels that fire which is perfect for the beginning of a new year. So I'm excited to see where it goes. And we're training this afternoon, what, at four or at five? Uh, four. Okay. We can make it happen still. <laughs> okay. Well, I got I to gotta get on the road like right yeah, now. Yeah. No, yeah. If, if, you, if you can't, it's okay. We can also we can also move it or, you know, pick up back next week. So, because I know this ran way longer than I thought I was going to run. Yeah. All good. <laughs> the good conversations um, do. No, I, I'll be there by 4.15. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah, we can make that work. Thanks, Derek. This has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the call with me today. Dude, yeah, no problem. I really appreciate you having me on. It's honestly, honestly an honor. So I really appreciate it.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.